Hello and welcome back to the Ghoul Squad Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Ghoul Squad podcast, everybody. I am Keegan Preslak. I'm Eric Hoff. And this is a horror podcast where two buddies in the middle of nowhere, somewhere in New Mexico, get together hopefully once a year and talk horror movies. I'm glad you gave that description because it's been so fucking long. I forgot what the fuck we were doing. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure where I'm at. Uh, and I'm not sure what we're doing here. Right. But we are here, and we're going to talk horror movies. Correct. So if you like horror movies, you know, give us a chance. <laughs> yes. Uh, hello, everybody out there in Ghoul Squad land. Uh, sorry it took us so long. I know that you wanted a new episode. And uh, trust me, while that's flattering, uh, we feel bad as well for not uh, coming through earlier. So hello, everybody. And uh, hopefully this doesn't take us so long. Uh, but yeah, we're just both working and uh, I've got a new job, like I said on the last. It's been so long. You were just, you were just like hired. Yeah. And now you've been there for like six months or something. It's been like two months, but yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, I got a new job in the oil field, uh, and that's going well. Everything's going great, but it's just our scheduling is messed up. The thing is, it's not me and it's not you. It's the two of us together. Our schedules don't line up perfect. Uh, right. What are your hours? Do they fluctuate or do you have a set schedule? No, yeah. So like, I work 6.30 to 5 a.m. Uh, I'm sorry, 6.30 to 5 p.m. So it's 10-hour days. Do a, oh, okay. 10-hour days. Um, well, it's like 10 and a half hour, but you get a lunch or whatever. So um, anyways, but it's great. That's going great. But uh, Eric, how are, are you, you liking it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I love it. It's it's awesome. Everybody I work with is great. And uh, it's just just still still going, just chugging along, basically. That's okay, how I that's feel. That's good to hear. But it's awesome. Good. Eric, how's your job? How are you? Same old. Hate it. Want to quit. Want to <laughs> punch everybody and just pet all the cute dogs I see. Yes. So it's the same. Now, if no one knows who you work for, that is just a really weird And let's leave it at that. <laughs> Eric uh, works for the Postal Reserve. Yes. Reserve. Yes. yes. He's, a, he's on the reserve. Because Keegan wants to, I guess, combine Federal Reserve and the, and the Postal Service together. Yes. So he came up with the Federal Reserve. Yes, that's exactly yes. right. I'm not even sure what that joke is or what we do here. But, right. Uh, yeah, so what else, Eric, at the top of the show here? Anything anything of note before we get in? Uh, Sorry for taking so long. Yeah, but, you know, we tried we a did. few times. We did. Uh, but it's like we're trying to have a baby. We tried. We were trying. Right, but, you know. Uh, it just didn't happen. It just, you know, shit falls through. Uh, this might be too corny to say, you know. Life. Life uh, happens. Life finds a way and gets in the way. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, we've got this really weird episode planned for you guys today because we were we okay, all summer for the last fucking 8 months. 3 months. Yeah, we've yeah. been wanting to do summer camp uh a summer camp slashers episode and I think we even like tried to give like a description of it last episode yeah. thinking that we were going to do it now. Yeah, Eric was like, "Oh, it's summer." Eric, this is was smart. like back in April yeah. when I was like, let's do a summer episode. That way it'll be out for summer and people like will want to listen to summer camp slashers, right? Right. But here we so are. It's now September. Six months later. First day of fall was yesterday. Yeah. And uh, we're just going to catch up. This is what we did last episode. 
uh, you know, in fear of running too long. Yeah. So I would, I do want to do the summer camp. I do too. Slasher episode. I've got, I've got my fucking list. <laughs> Me too. Uh, so we'll see how this episode goes, but I, be- yeah. I believe this is going to be just a catch up. Like yes, you said, I hope it's just a catch up. Yeah. Cause like we have things like, I'll, I'll just throw some stuff out here. We have things like it chapter two. Sure. We have things like crawl once upon a time in Hollywood, mm-hmm. midsummer, scary stories, stranger things three. We have some things to talk about here. And so I just don't think there's enough time to 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 not talk about things. Okay. So uh, we're going to do that. So we're going to have a fun episode here just kind of reviewing everything that we've seen over the last 18 months or whatever it took us to do this episode. Uh, so we're going to do that. So hello, everybody, uh, and thank you so much for listening. This is the end of the episode. Thanks for listening, and uh, we'll see you on the next episode of The Ghouls. Well, that'd be one way to get episodes out, huh? That sure would be. We should just do them all at once. We'll bank them. Well, the thing is, I feel like we wouldn't have enough, like, because people are like, oh, do two episodes at one time. Uh, I would be exhausted. You already look exhausted, Don. fucking pot if we tried to do, because I'd be like six hours of just sitting here. Talking on, to me. On these fucking hard-ass fucking seats. Yep. All I want to do is get to Taco Bell. Yeah, that's, that's the like whole, my goal. Like, when we, we do these, when we fucking record, it's like, <laughs> let's get going. We do, we do the so episode. We get to fucking Taco Bell. We do episodes of this podcast to facilitate us going to Taco Bell after. That's the only reason yep. we do it. Yep. Yeah, I agree. So I think that's it with this horrible opening of the podcast, as always. Uh, yes. Sorry, everybody, it took us so long. Uh, we'll shut up about that. Uh, but first, uh, I do have a quick shout out. Michael Niemeyer. Hello. You Mike. Lis- you listen to our our podcast, and thank you so much. Yep. Uh, he tweeted us like eight months ago. Okay. That he wants us to do an honest review of Idle Hands. Oh, okay. And uh, we haven't done that. We Will we ever? We, no, we didn't, we didn't plan for that. Okay. Uh, we sound horribly unprepared and ungrateful. I, off the top of my head, I love Idle Hands. Yeah, I do too. But I want to like rewatch it and talk it because he asked us to. And we okay. will uh, maybe maybe a year from now. But right. anyways, Michael Niemeyer. In, in Ghoul Squad time. Yes, thank you so much for listening. He's uh, been an A1 listener uh, for quite a while. So I just wanted to shout him out. And then I think we've got kind of a big story here. Okay. Which, uh, I hope I can live up to. Uh-oh. <clears throat> so hello, everybody. Uh, let's see. Okay, so a couple weeks ago, um, I had time off from work on my days off. And so my brother and I are New England Patriots fans. So we decided to uh, ship up to Boston, if you will, and uh, go to a Patriots game. The first Patriots game of the year. Uh, this is all un- not horror related. But we went to the first Patriots game of the year, rose our sixth banner, uh, and had a blast. And blew out the Steelers. So if you're a Steelers fan, uh, you don't have to listen to this podcast because we don't like the Steelers around here. But uh, anyway, so we were going to do that. And in doing that, I was like, well, wait, doesn't like basically our favorite listeners, and we have a lot of favorite listeners. Hello. Shout out to everybody. But uh, Shane saw Massacre, and it's probably paranormal. They live near Boston. And so I got this this feeling in me. I was like, you know what? I should try to hit him up. Maybe we can meet up. And, okay. you know, thinking, well, maybe it'll never happen. And it did. Awesome. It happened. So uh, if you saw my Instagram, uh, I posted a picture with them. I met up with Shane and Kayla, uh, who basically are a favorite. So you weren't calling them their Instagram handles in person? <laughs> well, well, that it's funny you ask. Okay. Because, uh, you know, we – so basically the story goes – I hope I can do it justice. But uh, we go to a Red Sox game on this Saturday that we're there. And we're trying to find a time to go because I wasn't there that long. I was there like two and a half days really with travel. Uh, one day was like for, we went for a Red Sox game. The other, the second day was the Pats game. So we were kind of busy. And so we're like, you know what? After the Red Sox game, let's just try to meet up. So for whatever reason, Shane, Mr. Shane saw, 
says, "Well, do you guys want to go to Wahlburgers?" Okay. So I want to I want to hear about Wahlburgers as well. Yeah. Okay. So so I'm like, well, sure. Uh, thinking maybe he's been to Wahlburgers before, and uh, come to find out, he's like, "No, we've never been here. We just thought you oh, guys." Oh, so would it's first go. time for everybody. Yeah, exactly. Okay. But it was kind of like it's it's funny you're asking about Wahlburgers. It was great. Like it was awesome. Is it just fast food? I mean, no, it's more like a like a glorified Chili's or a glorified Applebee's. Oh, okay, you know, it was it was it was cool, but it's I was you know I was focused on talking to them, you know, so I was not your burger. I really didn't. Your wall burger. By the way, okay. I also don't eat hamburgers because I'm insane. Weird. Yeah, I don't eat hamburgers. Okay, Did, haven't you told me one time you don't like steak either? I mean, I'll eat steak. I just don't love it. Okay, that's another episode. Okay, we'll Keep do going. that. That's on the next episode, eight months from now. So. Anyways, uh, so we get out of our Red Sox game at Fenway Park. We walk down the street. We find Wahlburgers. Shane it's was, in walking distance. <laughs> exactly. So Shane was exactly right to say, hey, let's just meet at Wahlburgers. Okay. Because we got out of the game and just walked down there. Great. I'm sure traffic was It traffic? was messed up, yes. Okay. But we just walked. You just walked. So we walk. We get to Wahlburgers. And then I'm like texting him. I'm like, well, hey. Like, we've never talked in person. I've never even spoken to Shane. Right. But, you know, he's a listener. At, at this point, you don't know if that's what he really looks like. No. It, well, it's funny because, like, obviously he does, uh, and so does Caleb, but we don't know. Right. Like, and they pro- they don't even know me. Right. You know, exactly. it's like this, uh, it's funny. A lot. You a, could be getting catfished right now. Exactly. And a lot of people in, like, bigger cities have probably done this before because, like, Shane and Kayla, I'll get to them, but they, they were kind of like, well, it's not that weird because, like, people meet up at cons all the time at conventions. Okay. And I'm like, yeah, but Eric and I have never done that. Like, we're, we live in Carlsbad, New Mexico. We don't right. know anything about anything. We uh, live in Schittsville, New Mexico. Yeah, exactly. So, like, the point of the story is we're not used to, like, meeting people we don't know. Okay. But I was very excited to. And so it was just kind of this like awkward waiting game of like, I felt, I was like, man, are they going to stand me up? Which I'm kidding. Of course they weren't. But it felt like I was like waiting for a blind date almost. Right. Uh, with Shane. And, uh, <laughs> so, so we're just sitting there. Uh, we get a table. We're waiting. And then finally I just look up and I see exactly who I thought it was going to be. It was okay. Shane and Kayla walking in. And, uh, it was just, the cool, like it was one of the coolest things that's ever happened to me in my life. And it's not, when I say that, it's not like hubris, like, oh, cause our podcast is so cool and shit. It's like, no, we don't have that many listeners. So like, I right. know that, but like they listened to our podcast and found out about us somehow through just, and now like, you're meeting them in yeah, person. Isn't that insane? So right. like, I don't mean to say it like, whoa, wasn't that cool? I met listeners. Of course not. It was like mind blowing to me. Like they don't, like I've never spoken like we've texted back and forth, but it was sure. just cool to be like, hi, like, how's it going? And they're, but I'm also kind of fans of them in a way. Cause like of their Instagram accounts and like, we've, you know, had several conversations. They asked me about movies. They DM us a lot, you know? Sure. So I felt like we were friends already. Okay. So it was a little weird. Cause of course they sit down. I'm like, what's up? And that, that was it. We just hit it off and talked the whole night for, I don't know, three or four hours. Oh, damn. And it was just awesome. Like, I don't, I don't, the, other than, other than like that meetup moment, it was, um, that was the only anxiety. Yeah. There is a quick, funny, stupid moment that I had. They walk up and, uh, man, I'm sorry guys. Cause I know they're listening now. I can't remember. Oh, I could look on my phone. I can't remember what shirts they're wearing, but they're both wearing like complete horror gear. Okay. And they walk up to me. I'm wearing a Red Sox hat. Okay. And a, a six times champion, Super Bowl champions shirt. It looks like you're from Carlsbad, New Mexico. Yeah, exactly. I'm not wearing anything horror. So like one of the first things I thought of, I'm like, do I have anything horror on me? And so I, I reach into my wallet and I'm like, well, this is the only horror card I have with me, guys. And it was my, I have an Evil Dead wallet. Okay. It's a Necronomicon wallet. And like a little five-year-old, by the way. 
and I showed it. I'm like, find out. see guys, like I like horror too. Like it was just a funny moment. Cause like I was there for, you know, for sports basically. Okay. And so it was just funny. Cause like they were dressed and I'm like, Shane had like a, one of those, um, uh, denim, uh, vests, like with the back patch and everything. Uh, it was badass. But it was just funny because I felt like outmatched. Like right. here they are, like wanting to meet me, and I'm like, oh god! Like I hope they like me. I hope they think I like like horror. Um, it was the first day of school for kids. <laughs> exactly. That's it. That's it. It felt like a blind date or like the first day of kindergarten. Right. Um. But no, it was just so awesome, and they were just like the nicest, coolest people like I've met in a long time. I I can't thank them enough for just like being listeners and like wanting to meet up and like I don't know like. I don't want to go on about it too long because it's probably annoying, but it was just one of the coolest moments I've ever had. And, you know, again, most people probably experience stuff like this because they go to conventions. Horror conventions are kind of known for like meetups and stuff like between Instagram, horror, horror, Twitter, horror, Instagram and stuff. But like, I've never done this and it was just cool that it had to do with like the podcast and like they were just the nicest people I've ever met. And they were exactly how I pictured uh, and I hope I was exactly how they pictured. I mean, I'm kind of a fucking that. Yeah, exactly. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, I'm just kidding. Care. No, like I'm kind of a spaz. Like when I get going. So, okay. so uh, I've never thought that, but I hope I don't know. Maybe I don't know. I hope I lived up to this dumbass podcast that you and I do. Right. So all of that. Let being me ask said. you this. Let me ask you this. Yeah, Eric, ask me questions. Okay. Did they get like Keegan Preslak or did they get Ghoul Squad Kiki? Uh, no, I think they got Keegan Preslak. I yeah, mean, okay. Yeah, yeah, cause, oh, now, that, that, that's right. You asked me, did I, did I, did I call them by their, their screen names Instagram or by their handles? Names? Yeah. I end up, I'm not gonna say it, obviously, but I asked Shane, I was like, you know, I don't even know your last name. Oh, okay. Like, uh, it was funny cause my brother was like, he saw that I was texting Shane and he looked at my phone and it said, Shane saw massacre in my phone. And he's like, you put that as his name? I was like, well, I don't know his last name. Right. Like, we never met. Right. Um, so funny. it was just kind of funny. So I ended up asking him. Obviously, I'm not going to like say his last name. But um, I ended up asking both of them just because I was like, it's so weird. We don't even know each other's like actual full names. Like mm-hmm. They know Mom probably Keegan Preslock because we say it on the podcast. But um, that was kind of funny. Any other questions? I'm drawing a blank on your middle name. So no, I got nothing. Okay. Let me ask you a question. Okay. So, you know, I was pretty amped up and I, you know, how I do, I talked quite a bit. Okay. Right. I mean, that's why we have a podcast. Sure. But, um, I wonder, oh, and you were a huge topic of conversation. In fact, I think they were more excited to ask me questions about you than they were to meet me. Uh, Uh, they were, they were very, uh, they love you, Eric, from what I can tell. And, uh, you were, that someone does. Yeah. You were, you were a hot topic of conversation. And, uh, it was pretty funny because I, I then told them like in a joking way, I wasn't making fun of you. Well, maybe I was, but I was like, you know, if you met him, you probably wouldn't like the guy at all. That's hundred percent correct. No, of course. No, I mean, it's a joke, but it's just funny. Cause you know, uh, they were just asking me questions about you and like, and oh, and like, um, I think Kayla asked me at the end, like, do you guys prepare for the podcast? And I was like, mm-hmm. I hope it sounds like we do. I don't know. Um, it was just, it was just you take notes. Yeah. So I told her, I was like, well, you know, I take notes and stuff. And Eric, writes his movie names downs, but he doesn't really take notes, but we kind of just refer off of our, off our memory with movie names. Um, but I do take some notes, but, uh, yeah, you were, you were quite a, a topic of conversation. We, we had some fun at your expense, but it was all in good fun. And, uh, Oh, let me ask you a question. So okay. how do you think, like, you're going to joke, but like, how do you think you would have done in that situation? Like, what if you were with me there at Wahlburgers in uh, Boston, Massachusetts? 
uh, I would have been awkward and talked too much because that's what I do when I'm like nervous right. and shy. My example, I guess, would be uh, when we met uh, Adam Green. Yes. And I remember we were like in line and you were like, do you just want me to talk? And I was like, yeah, you just talk. But then you talked and the then whole I time. Just, and then I wouldn't shut the fuck up when but we finally awesome. got to the table. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, the reason I ask is because, you know, I hope they, you know, I, it's funny to say I was nervous. Like, it's not like I was nervous, like I was meeting some star or anything. Right. It was just, you know, it was cool. So, Definitely. like, I was nervous to, to do it. And uh, so I probably talked way too much. I mean, big fucking surprise. But uh, it was just, you know, one more time, one of the fucking coolest things I've ever experienced. And again, not just because our pod, but just because, like, we've met them and known them through like the internet and now I'm in Boston, Massachusetts at a fucking Wahlburgers down the street from Fenway saying what's up to Shane yeah, was, and Caleb. Was like Donnie that was just there? something else. Uh, unfortunately, Donnie wasn't there. Okay. But uh, okay. That's so, awesome, Doc. That's so well, cool. So we have one more thing about this. Okay. I hope if you don't care about this, I'm sorry, but also this is our fucking podcast. So who, we're, we're idiots is what I'm trying to say. Okay. So uh, we have one more thing about this and I took uh, audio of one of, of our final encounter, we sort of stood outside of Wahlburgers and it was me, my brother, my brother's wife, Sabra. So me, Ben, Sabra, and then Shane and Kayla. And I took my phone out and took some, just some audio of like fucking around. Now you have to remember this is a couple weeks ago. So it chapter two had just come out. And so after I play this audio, we'll react to it. And then we're actually going to review it chapter two. Um, but yeah, so here's some audio that I took with Shane and Kayla. Uh, Shane saw Masker, and it's probably paranormal. Uh, outside of Wahlburgers in Boston, Massachusetts. Now, quick warning, it was recorded on my phone, and there's a lot of shit going on. Like, okay. the Red Sox game just ended. We're standing outside Wahlburgers. I mean, there's just fucking people everywhere. So I hope the audio sounds fun because a lot of shit was going on. There was, like, people coming out of buildings next to us and shit because we're just, like, standing in the street. Right. Um. So anyways, here is that audio. I hope you enjoy it. Outside of Wahlburgers in Boston, Massachusetts, down the street from Fenway. Hit it. <laughs> First words, fuck their podcast now. All right, so here we are on the street uh, near Fenway Park in Boston, Massachusetts. Uh, we're here next, standing next to a Wahlburgers, uh, which is Mark Wahlberg and especially Donnie Wahlberg's establishment so from the uh, hit so film. Oh, oh Jesus Christ. Are we going <laughs> to... Hello, how's it going? Hi. So, let's see if we can keep going here. So, a man just appeared from the darkness, like Pennywise himself. So, uh, anyways, we are standing next to Donnie Wahlberg's establishment, uh, who was in the hit horror film Saw Two. Um, So, anyways, uh, we're standing out here for a specific reason because. I guess I'll, I'm going to use your guys' Instagram names. Is that okay? Yeah, that's all you okay. called them on the podcast. Okay. Yeah. So we're still standing here. And uh, I've got the re- – okay, sorry. Whoa. The reason we're standing here is uh, we met up with – I met up with, not Eric. Hello, Eric. If you ever fucking listen to this, fuck you, <laughs> number one. Number two, I'm standing here with two of our listeners. I wouldn't say fans. Our listeners – uh, have no Mr. Shane Saw Massacre and Mrs. It, it's probably paranormal. And Shane and Kayla is what I will refer to them as. Anyways, they're listeners of ours and we've met up with them. Uh, me and my brother, Ben here, and uh, his lovely wife, Sabra. Uh, and we're going to stand here and I'm going to ask them in this horrible intro, as always, what they thought of the hit film. 
like the hand. It chapter two. So in this awkward ass place where we're standing here, there's people walking by us. I mean, it's this is a happening place, people. I'll ask. Down the road. I'm sorry. And who are you? Fenway Park. Okay, so that was my brother uh, shouting into the wind as usual. (laughs) From hit movies such as Godzilla, King of the Monsters, Fenway Park. All right, so we'll get this show on the road. Um, So I'm going to ask Shane first. Mr. Shane, what did you think of It Chapter 2 in the most awkward way possible? What did you think? Uh, I thought it was awesome. Um, (laughs) Thanks, Shane. It was good hanging out. I'm just going to go ahead. Uh, no, I had a good time. I uh, went with a bunch of people. Um, pretty much had a whole row bought out of friends. I uh, had the comfy seats, so nice and comfy. Um, how, was, how was the movie? Movie was great. Um, I actually think it surpassed my expectations. I enjoyed it more than the first one. Um, I think it did a much better job with the adults than the OG, as much as I love the OG. But I um, thought it was great. It was feel good, funny, creepy. Pennywise is the shit. He, uh, yes. I thought he looked better in this one than he did in the first one, which I don't know how that's possible. But uh, favorite scene, probably. Well, I don't want to give spoilers. But we don't want to spoil the film, but what? Try to explain it without spoilers. There, there's a part with uh, I'll just say Paul Bunyan um, and Pennywise's dialogue in that was probably his best look and probably dialogue. I'd say. I definitely agree. I was just going to say one of my favorite scenes, if I forget on the pod, I'll say it here, is when Bill Skarsgård is actually in the movie as Bill Skarsgård, not as Pennywise, and he, like, puts that makeup on his face, then, like, peels his face off, and, like, it has the... Do you guys know what I'm talking about? It has, like, the shape of, like, the... This is horrible. Yeah. Yeah, and so, Kayla, what did you think? Um, I thought it was awesome. I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's probably going to be my top for this year. I haven't seen too too much this year that i'm like in love with but this is definitely the one i'm in love with um there's one part in particular that i really liked which i was surprised i was gonna like the first part when i saw it it's the part where um eddie and richie are at the like scary not scary very scary doors and they go and there's a pomeranian there and i'm like yep this is where it gets shitty and it like morphs into this like without you know spoiling too much this incredible thing and that was actually one of my favorite parts so yeah i really liked it i'm gonna say it's definitely um number one for this year so number one for this year it's a good question i'll ask you both and i can't even think of an answer right now but like midsummer came out this year and so did us so the question would be and i can't even think but you guys know what i'm gonna ask you is this better than those films is that gonna be like on a list if it was number one two three would you think Midsummer, Us, It, Chapter 2, Shane? I'll let you go first. So I had Midsummer at number one, just nice. the the filmography of that. Um, really, when you think about it, the story and the details and all the grief and themes and stuff like that. Um, but I think that's one that you have to see and then sit on it for quite a while. Whereas It, you just get in, it's a great time from start to finish, so... It's probably going to take number one spot unless something else somehow blows it away. I doubt that's going to happen, but uh, I would say just initial that feel good is what's going to keep it number one for me. I'm trying to think if I, I guess I agree. I, I don't know. Just standing here right now, I want to say I like us more, but I hate to say that because it chapter two is so good, but us was so surprising, but 
I'll ask Kayla, which, where would you put it on your on your year with like stuff like Midsummer and Us? I'm going to say it's definitely going to be my number one. So when I went to see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I definitely was like, all right, I need to go see this again. And I did. But I mean, you saw my tweet. I literally was like, okay, if I don't see it again in the next like 24 yeah. to 48 hours, I'm going to scream because it was that good. Yeah. yeah, I agree. I mean, we we saw it in Albuquerque uh, before we came up to Boston and I want to see it again already. I'll ask Ben because he's standing here and he's so charming and <laughs> handsome. Um Mr. Ben Preslak, Keegan's brother that was on an episode that no one listened to. Nobody. Um, or nobody ever wants to hear again. Um, ben, what did you think of it, Chapter 2? It was good. All right, so it was good hanging out. It was nice seeing you guys. Uh, do you want to talk about it for real for a sec? I mean, I have nothing to say that hasn't been said already. But All right, so not a problem. <laughs> I mean, I, uh, I loved it. Uh, Where would you put it in your list? I mean, you don't watch a lot of horror, but uh, if you had to. Well, I haven't seen so Midsummer. far. I haven't seen Midsummer. Uh, okay, well, it's good hanging out. Uh, I would say on a list of us and it, uh, both titles, only two letters, uh, so they're actually very similar. In a well, lot it, of it's actually called It Chapter Two, but that's okay. Oh. It was a good try. Um, I would have to say uh, I actually have put myself on the spot because I don't make know it eat, make it easy. I don't know how to end this. Uh, 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 Interus. That Interrupt. was where you were going. Shit, dude. I don't know. That's okay, tough. great. <laughs> Strong opinions here at the Ghoul Squad. Um, yeah, I don't know. I have a hard time just because us is so, like I said, surprising. Like I, it just blew my mind where like it chapter two was what I thought it was going to be. Um, where like us was just not what I thought it it's, was at all. It's tough. It's tough in the way that I would obviously say that it chapter two is is a ton of fun, whereas us is just really well done so it's kind of hard uh although us is also very fun so for me i'd probably say it chapter two i liked more surprisingly but if i were to watch another one or watch one of them again i would say us because it chapter two is very long and i ain't got time for that shit all right well ben thank you uh we'll get back to shane and kayla and then we'll head out of here um so just to uh, saber said she didn't want to talk saber say something did you like the movie Saber? Yeah. All right. All right, good. Uh, we'll cut that out. Uh, <laughs> no, but just to end it here, I guess I was going to say, so you've now met uh, half of the ghoul squad, and you never want to meet the other half because that guy's <laughs> insane. Hey, Eric. How's it going? Um, but uh, after meeting such a, a loser like myself, will you still listen to the podcast, Shane? Yeah, definitely. Okay, Kayla? Probably a little bit more once, you know, more episodes come out. Wow, nice. I've been put on blast just now. Nice. Yep. In person uh, blast. Okay. Well, anything else to say, and then we'll head out of here. I have something to say. Um, so I know on the podcast, normally you do the shout outs, but I was wondering if I could do a shout out. Yes, of course. Cool. So I want to do a shout out to my buddy Dream Warrior. Um, I know she's also an avid listener for Christina, yes. I think is her name. Christina with a K. Yeah. Um, I want to give a shout out because when I made a tweet about wanting to see it again, she hadn't seen it yet. So I just want to say, I'm sure by the time this all comes out, she'll have already seen it once, if not twice. But um, I just want to say, like, I hope you have a good viewing experience. And I hope, you know, you don't have a shitty crowd like everybody else seems to have for your theater. Yeah, someone come on. Oh, hang on just a minute. <laughs> We've got a, an, another person appearing from the darkness. We've got some other riffraff happening as well. So, well, anyways, hello, Dream Warrior, the Dream Warrior. 
Uh, and also, uh, Shane, would you like to shout out uh, Andrew for letting us use his uh, recording equipment? Oh, yeah. Yes, thank you, Andrew, for using, uh, letting us use your podcast equipment. He's never getting it back. <laughs> yes, that's true. Uh, Andrew, uh, hello. I'm sure you're listening to this now. We're not currently using your podcast equipment because we're using my phone, but uh, you're never getting it back. So thanks for letting us have it. I'll leave it at that. And I think that's it. So anything else? I'll, I'll, I want to let you guys say goodbye. So, All right. See you guys. Goodbye. Bye, guys. Boom. What about, what about Ben? Here we go. Goodbye. All right. Well, now this has been the uh, half of the Ghoul Squad uh, live from Boston on the streets. I hope you heard some of the uh, Foley noise. Um, I don't even know what the hell I'm saying we anymore. We actually didn't have any noise. We're not on the streets. Yeah, yeah this is all yeah, fake. Foley, it just made all this up. Foley artists out here. No one can hear you. <laughs> all right. Uh, back to Eric and Keegan in the studio, which is uh, Eric's. Oh, we got a plane going overhead. Uh, Eric's, yes. Back to Eric's house that's falling apart, full of cockroaches, and next to that fridge. Uh, take it away. All right, Eric, what did you think of that? Um, <laughs> now I get to review the 11 minutes of audio I just heard. Yes. Uh, no, that's fucking awesome. Um, Eric just heard that audio you guys just heard. Um, I'm going to say I have a favorite part. Uh, we make the same goddamn jokes every fucking time, and uh, Shane and Kayla made them. Yes, about uh Andrew not getting his podcast equipment. So yes, that was uh, that was possibly the most amazing part. I that think, was I fucking think ben cool. Brought it up, so shout out to Ben as well. Um, yeah, but it's funny hearing them say it because it's like because that's art. That's like us. So it's funny to hear it from them. Yeah, and it's that like awesome, dude. It's almost like fourth wall breaking. Right. Yeah. But what, cool. what else did you think about that? I guess while we were talking, I guess while you guys were talking, um, how high is it? Yeah. I was doing the same. And uh, I guess we'll get to it here in a minute. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, I guess I'm not going as high as you guys are. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think I think it's interesting. It's a couple weeks after. You have to remember, this is literally, uh, it would have come out Thursday night. We all would have saw it. And then we were speaking with them that Saturday. Right. So it was still huge and high and an event at that time. I think it's been a couple weeks since then. So, um, yeah, I guess we'll, I guess we'll talk about, it. but anything else on that? Shout out to Shane and Kayla. They were awesome. Uh, I apologize for my horrible, you, you have to remember, I'm standing there trying to like host this like impromptu thing on the street. And, um, I'm just an idiot is what I'm trying to say. Right. So I apologize uh, for being an idiot. I think that's awesome. I'm, I'm jealous you got to meet them. That's very cool, duh. Yeah. Yeah. It was awesome. Pretty uh, neat. Yeah. So I think that's it for that. Very um, cool. Again, thanks to them for just being so cool and hanging out, and I think we'll move on. But What um, kind of burger did you have? I'm I got kidding. a chicken sandwich. I'm kidding. Of course you did. <laughs> of course you did, da. Of course, course you, you did, did da. da. I did get a beer there. They had a like a Wahlburgers lager or something. Oh, okay. Um, how was that? So I got that. Was and, it called uh, like Wall Log? It was called like Wall Logger or something. <laughs> <laughs> it was like Waluigi Logger or something. And, uh, you know, it was okay. It wasn't that great, honestly. Um but yeah, you might be able to hear some of that beer in that uh, audio that you just heard. But uh, oh, I'm sure you're fucking faded. No, uh, no maybe from the game. But uh, anyways, so that how much did you drink on the trip? On the whole trip, not near enough. Oh, okay. 
Uh, not that much actually, because there's a lot of, there's a lot going on. Right. So like trying to get to the game, trying to get to like a lot of facilitating. And then like once the game starts, like at the Red Sox, I had a couple there. Okay. Um, but you're kicking them back. Yeah. And, but then like game's over. So like we got to get to Wahlburger. So then I had a beer there. You're cheering on Manny Ramirez. Yeah. No, uh, I wasn't, but, uh, you, you weren't cheering on Big Poppy. <laughs> Big, it's not, that's not Big Poppy. <laughs> <laughs> that is, uh, Ortiz. Uh, but anyways, so long story short, I don't know. I just wanted to give it its due. So we'll move on from it. Awesome. Though. But they're just awesome. It was awesome. I hope you enjoyed that audio. I hope you've enjoyed this opening to the pod. Cause now finally, I think it's time for to finally talk some horror fucking movies. Oh, okay. And, uh, so let's get to, I guess really the whole episode topic. So should we, should I play what our, our let's all go to the lobby. Let's all, and then, uh, and then should I just play the grindhouse music since this is the whole episode Go back to back. All right, we'll hit it. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Delicious things to eat. The popcorn can't be beat. The sparkling drinks are just dandy. The chocolate bars and the candy. So let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. All right, Doc. Okay, duh. Here we are in what we've been watching. Here we are. I hope that you've made it with us this far, everybody. Yes. Uh, if we ever do another podcast. But regardless, let's get going. Uh, this, so This is definitely like an episode for listeners. Oh, I, I think... I kind of feel like if somebody just stumbled on this episode, they'd yeah. be like, fuck these guys. But I feel like the people who regularly listen, they're going to eat this shit up. But do you think we're ever going to get like new listeners? Like, is We that- might! No. We might! I hope! All right. Well, me too. But I'm just saying, like, <laughs> okay, at, me too. Now. I think at this point, every episode we do is like just for our couple listeners. Like, hey, I think that's where we're hey, at. Hey, we make it something. I agree. We got we got these. Why can't we get more? We could get more, dog. We gotta right. record and like have a schedule and like actually fucking record. Put out content. Yeah, like actually, actually fucking give a shit. Run the podcast yeah. and fucking you Sorry. know all that shit. Yeah, I'm done. Okay, all right, dog. So. Uh, I guess you want to, I guess, do some joint shit first. Yeah. That seems like the Kiki Press like way. Yep. Uh, so I guess let's go far back as, uh, what, Midsummer? No, we should do It Chapter 2. Okay. Let's, well, let's just do fucking it, do it. Okay, let's do It Chapter 2. <laughs> and you know, right up fucking front, E-Dog didn't make it through all two hours and 50 minutes. Yes. And you didn't try to see it again yet? I just checked to see if it was going to be here this weekend. Uh-huh. So I know I at least got another week because it is. I do want to see it. And uh, I didn't fall asleep because I wasn't feeling it. E-Dog's just a sleepy boy. Yeah. When did you fall asleep? Do you remember? I sure do. It was like right when they finally like made it to uh, the final confrontation yeah. with uh, Pennywise and its conclusion. Yeah. So I missed... Like a good ten minutes of like the climax. Yeah, you weren't missing much. That okay? So really, it, it chapter two. The way Dana um, described it, sounded like I missed everything. Well, I, this is a tough movie to talk about because 
I want to get it out of the way. So it chapter two, let's do it. Let's so do it. my main thing I want to say on it is I love it. I think okay. it's awesome. I think it's a great chapter two to that first film. I think it's awesome. I think as it's a, I loved it. Okay. But I know I really liked it, but I just don't know how much. Yeah. And, and, and I agree. And I, and partly it's just, it's just too fucking long. Like it's right. just too long. And the reason I say you didn't miss much is honestly by the time they get to, so we'll, we'll talk about the rest of the film, but just cause you brought up sort of the con- end confrontation. Okay. By the time they finally get to the fucking well house to, to, to confront it, let's just, I mean, we're not going to spoil the film, but to okay. confront it. Sure. By the time we finally get there, I think it's two hours and like 15 minutes in. Right. And it's like, by that point, I'm like checking out and what follows is good. Mm-hmm. Like what follows is fine. But I saw it twice and both times. Like Damn, they where'd just you see it the second time. I saw it here. Okay. Um I saw what's what was that? Saturday? Saturday at like nine o'clock. At night? It got out after midnight. Oh my god. Okay. So, point being And both, you stayed awake? Yes. Okay. Both times I saw it, like they're getting to the wellhouse for the final confrontation, and I'm like done. I'm right. like, all right, well, like I <laughs> I actually saw it with Wes the second time, my my roommate. What's up, Wes? And, uh, I looked over to him. It was like two hours, and 50 minutes in. And I said, yeah, I'm done. Just so you know, <laughs> like, I'm just done. Like, and then the rest of the movie happens and it's fine. And there's inventive stuff. There's cool stuff. I feel like hearing this description from you. Yeah. And just because this was a topic just moments ago. Yeah. It's not going to be your number one. N- not yet. I okay. mean, not right now. Um, I think like for, okay, so like last year, you and I talked a lot of, or two years ago, 29, 2017, whatever it 2017. was. 2017. Uh, we talked a lot about how like it was event horror. And I still think that that stood. Like it was just, so I saw it chapter two in IMAX in Albuquerque, uh, before we headed out to Boston. And it was just like the coolest like event horror thing. Was I've, it a full audience? Full audience. Okay. Sold out IMAX. And like, I don't know how to explain it, but partially the way the film was produced, like it's just big. Like, so was the first film. The music, the effects. The actors. The actors. The, the way like, the way Andy Muschietti and them like dealt with sound, like the way they sort of, we talked about the first one where like they would have like stinging noises and stuff for like the score. It's not exactly a score at times. It's like almost mood, like sound effects that they use. Like, uh, towards the end of the film, like when the deadlights happen, it's like that, like hum, like that, like bass hum. Um, those things to me, like, I don't know. It feels big. Like Mm -hmm. it chapter one and it chapter two feel like big event horror films. Like they spent fucking money. They look amazing. They're shot well. And I, it's kind of a rarity. Yes. At it, least, at least like today. Exactly. And like, so seeing it, the set, the second one, like I had a huge smile on my face for at least the first two hours. Where I'm like, I just can't believe how big and cool this is. Right. Like, this is awesome that like we're, we're now like okay with spending like whatever this costs. Like it looks like $80 million probably on fucking it chapter two with all these actors. Right. And you know, all that being said, it also has Jessica Chastain covered in blood in it. So it's safe to say I liked it a lot. Um, I just, I think it's missing a lot from the first film, namely the 80s setting. I think that's like a huge, it's tough. Like now we're in modern day, we have cell phones. There's just a whole different feeling for this film. And that's not to say bad or worse. It's just not as fun. And the first one was the kids, which has that like stranger things, stand by me vibe. And it doesn't have that here. Right. Um, I really like enjoyed what the, did like, what did you the think restaurant meetup? Yeah, because we got to like just like hang out with those characters uh, for a minute. 
Um, they obviously have great chemistry, both the characters and uh, the actors. Um, I almost kind of feel that way about like these things in general. Like, yes, I love the horror aspect, but they they like uh, knocked it out of the park with this casting and these characters are cool that I kind of just want to uh, hang out with them. Um, I guess the flip side of that coin is, but, but for how much? Because yeah. it's already so goddamn long. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's not just, I'll make this quick. It's not just that films, uh, can't be three hours. It's just, you're asking so much to be at three hours. Like that's just, you're right. asking so much your audience. I can definitely think of stuff that I, that I wish they could have taken out, uh, yeah. to, uh, shorten it. Um, one thing I want to, uh, touch upon was, um, the opening scenes of both films. Um, so, I'm going to go ahead and spoil the opening scene of it. Chapter one, uh, when Georgie gets his arm bit off, like that's fucking cool. Like the, the greatest it, opening scene in any horror film in like the past 15 years. It just like really set the tone of like what was going to come. I think it also kind of said like, Hey, look how much for lack of a better word, extreme we're going to be from like in a, from the adaptation that you may be familiar with and, uh, like wh- how, how far we're going to be willing to go. So, it's almost, it almost feels dangerous to the audience, like, buckle up because you don't know what you're in for now. Because it, this norm that is normally, like, you don't do that on screen, at least. You wouldn't show that. Right. We're, we're, we're going to go ahead and do that. Right. So be prepared for the rest of the two hours. And, and not to sound like a cool, tough guy, I dug it, but it wasn't like, you know, to me personally, like, it didn't, like, shock me or anything. I thought it was cool, but it didn't shock me or anything. And, uh, you know, this must have been two years ago. I'm talking with my best friend, Andrew Costanieta. Not me. Not you, correct. And he's telling me how it shocked him. Like, he couldn't believe, like, that it happened. And so I'm thinking, like, oh, you know, that's that's cool that you had that reaction to it. <clears throat> so let's fast forward uh, two years later now to It Chapter 2 with this opening. And I, I won't uh, give away what happens here. But I had that reaction. Really? Like that rea- like that fucked me up, like like seeing that. And then I thought there was gonna be some type of positive like resolution for those characters, but it's not. In fact, you may it maybe it maybe even gets worse for one of them. And I was just like, holy fuck. Yeah. Like that fucking like shocked me. Yeah, I mean, as far as I know, that scene as well is in the book. Because right. I heard that I heard that there was. Um, and I loved it, but I also feel like I'm, I'm trying to figure out what the purpose of the way it is. I heard someone describe it's like Derry's just so infected with evil because of, uh, it, because of Pennywise that such an atrocious thing can happen. Yeah. And I, and I was thinking like filmmaking wise, maybe to set the tone of a more adult story, like, because it's more adult themes that are, because we're dealing with adults now. Right. Exactly. And so to set that theme of like, this isn't kids playing next to a gutter. This is a hate crime that occurs Mm -hmm. and the meanness that that comes with, but also like just the sort of, uh, I'm trying to think of the word, you know, non-caringness of of Pennywise right. to just like exactly. deal his. He doesn't give a shit. And then, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like what he does. Yeah, I was like, holy fuck! Like this is one fucked up thing, and then this is fucked up too. Yeah, and the way it's shot, like, is is super super sick. Like, 
Um, when he, ah, I guess we can't spoil spoil it, but right. He, uh, he, I'm going to say this when he's like motioning to like the dude, like as if he's going to help. Yeah, and it's like it's like immersive where the camera's like in the water and dipping right. up. But then what I was going to say is like let's just say we won't say what the scene is, but like um, Pennywise may uh, bite on something or somebody, and when he does it, he like picks his face up and looks at the other guy, and like the the sort of assault that I felt whenever he looked at him, like he was just like, almost like the, I, I wish I could think of the word. Like, I don't give a shit right. like, about you or like, your problems I'm or fucking anything. evil. Yeah. And like the way he's like, look, he's like moving his head. And I almost thought he had like tentacles coming out of his mouth, but I think it was like the meat, like, cause like the way it's shot, it's almost like you can't see what he is. Mm. And I just thought that was like, I mean, you, if you've seen the film out there, you know what I'm talking about. There's this crazy shot. Like when he finally bites the, the person and I was like, Whoa, Holy fuck. Um, and that sort of set the tone for me, but I don't think anything to me will compare to like that first, the first opening of the first film, just because I just remember my face lit up. I was like gasped and I'm just thinking like, what is this crowd thinking right now? Cause they're thinking like, Oh, clowns, like evil clowns are scary. Cause like right. Pennywise, like they're not horror fans like us where it's like, we live and breathe this shit. So we assume something like that, or at least is in the book, right? Right. Uh, chomping on a kid's arm and dragging him into a sewer. Um, in broad fucking daylight with the, well, it's raining, but it, it just the, the, the meanness of it. But then almost like I said, the more adult meanness of this, this new, new opening, opening scene, yeah. that kind of fucked with me too. And like, I, I felt, I felt dumb in retrospect because like when, for lack of a better term, when, uh, the bad people in that scene started acting shitty, like I started laughing at them. I was like, Oh God, these people are terrible. This is. They're going to get their the, come up. The, the way they're acting is just so shitty. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And then like, uh, that's not what happens. It, it just kind of keeps getting uh, worse. worse and worse. Um, I guess some other stuff that I was like super into, um, with the film was like, I saw people complain with like, uh, like, uh, like some of the CGI. Yeah. Um, but I guess I was cool with it because it was like more like monster, uh, at least looking shit. Yeah. And like, that's what, you know, E-Dog is into. E-Dog fucking loves monsters. So like even like the restaurant scene when there's like all those weird things coming like off the table, I thought that was cool. But probably my absolute favorite fucking part of like the whole film, mm -hmm. the Stanley head spider. Oh, <laughs> Duh, I was yeah. so fucking into that moment because obviously I'm like thinking the thing right yeah. now, and then um, the humor that's like present in that moment. Um, I ate that shit up. Yeah, I thought that was just fantastic. Yeah, I, I, that was what I was thinking was like the humor, how it's like smirking at him and being like almost laughing at them while right. it's like being Stanley's head. Um, I also thought it was interesting that they're like adults in the scene. But the head was, or they, yeah, they are. It's right? child Stanley. It's child Stanley, which yeah. I thought was interesting. But that's also the Stanley we know better, right? Um, so, and that's also part of like part of the weirdness of the end of the film and things like that. I won't say. I mean, if you know it or the book, you know it happens to Stanley. But let's just say um, some of his like resolution doesn't make a whole lot of sense because we don't like, and it's also hard because that actor we don't know yet. So right. like, uh, to, to I don't want to spoil the film. Such but, a big move. Did it pay off because we right. weren't accompanied? We're not accompanied with him yet, which is why I think like they focus almost every time on Stanley being child Stanley because we know him right from the first film. Am I crazy or was Eddie's voice like 
altered somewhere. So all of their voices are altered. And he all- sounds so different yeah. to me. Yeah, so that's like one of the weird, uncanny parts of this movie is like it's it was like filmed two years after the first film was shot. But they grew up already. Yeah, so all the kids are older, but I almost feel like they should just let it ha- like they should just left it. It sounded so weird to me. Like, almost like taking me out of scenes with Eddie. I agree. And, like, r- young Richie, his face is, like, smoothed over. And yeah. And, like, you, like, almost can't even see it's uh, Finn Wolfhard. Like, can't even see him. Right. Um, and then I, I also noticed, like, Sophia Lillis is, like, taller. But she's still wearing, like, the same, like, I don't... It was very odd. Like, yes. they're all wearing, like, little people outfits. Like, not just her. Right. But, like, all of them. And then... But also, at the same time, they're, like, older... And then their voices are changed. And, like, I noticed that. It was a little odd. I really liked how the woman Eddie ends up marrying was the actor who was his mom in Chapter 1. Yeah. I thought that was just a fun little nod. Yeah, there's some interesting things there that I'm not really going to get into. But, like... Oh, man. Oh, man. They... they, I guess Andy Muschietti thinks it's funny that, like, Eddie married a fat woman. You know what was fucking awful? That's the joke. You know what was fucking awful? What? When the fucking... uh, And I'm sure everybody's fucking complained about it. And D-Dog's gonna fucking complain about it, too. When the fucking uh, leopard fucking throws up on Eddie, and it's just that fucking You're My Darling Angel song starts? Yeah. Well... What was going on? That was such know. a weird creative fucking choice that made no sense to E-Doc. Yeah, I, I agree. No sense to now, E-Doc. Now, let me let me say both parts. One, okay. I laughed when it happened when I saw it. I was confused. I didn't know what to do. So, like, I liked it. But then seeing it again, I was like, this is really odd. And uh, I, I heard a, I think it was on the Slash Film cast. I heard them talking about that moment. And what they said was, it almost felt like someone was, like, wrote a note. Like, hey, put this song in there. And, like, some, like editor's joke like oh wouldn't this be funny and then, and like, then it made we it we should use that right that's what it felt like because it's just out of the rest of the tone of the film i saw a tweet that said i thought somebody's cell phone went off in oh that wow moment. Yeah. wow um but what i was gonna say uh young eddie's uh there's a sequence with young eddie where like he like falls on like the dirty needles oh yeah he like bumps into like the blood bag they they captured e-dog's fucking that's greatest you fear on in film. that scene yep. like that's fucking Mary, oh, holy yes. shit! They realized E Dog's greatest fear in the fucking in chapter two, <laughs> and in Saw two. Yes, yes. But uh, yeah, no. So I, I, I don't know. I mean, I loved it as a whole, but I also felt like so we were talking about the actors. Um, so like I feel like there's some weirdness with like the the older actors trying to act like the kid actors, and I, and I don't know if you noticed that kind of bothered me because like my biggest excitement about this film was that they did cast Jessica Chastain to be Beverly Marsh. So that was so exciting to me. And then I thought she was, I mean, I loved her in the film, but I, th- I thought she was just okay. In uh, it. Whenever she's like, like drowning or whatever. Shit went on too long. G. Yeah. I that shit went on way too long. Okay. But that's not, I was just talking about like, I know, I'm the, just complaining. But, but if you her. notice all of them and specifically her, I noticed because she, I thought she was acting way different than, than she normally does. They all seem like they're trying to like mimic the kid actors instead of just being, being a character. Right. Yeah, and that and you know what? That's a that's a great point because since the story idea is that like they forgot yeah. everything in Derry, like they should be like you know, different. They should be somebody else. You know I, I, mean? I feel like the film would have worked the same if you didn't have like I feel like the person that did the best was James McAvoy. He uh put his hands in his pockets and kind of stood tall like like, uh, but the, the, Bill? yes, Bill. Thank you. Jesus. Uh, just like the, the kid Bill did in the first film. So I thought he did just a, like the young Bill did, but like, I don't think, okay. I, I think the worst person in the film is older Ben. I think he's not good. 
Okay. I, he he felt like a TV actor to me. Everyone okay. else is like amazing. Okay. And then it's like, here's this guy from like Supernatural or something bad like that. Right. Or like Buffy. Right. Um, but he was good enough. And I, I don't know. I mean, I guess I don't... I, I just... I, I thought some of the acting choices were a little odd. Again, none of it's bad. These are all criticisms that are like small. I really like the film. My only criticism is it's too long. Agreed. And if you want to... if Okay, so like, well, it's too long. Well, it has to be. I don't think so. I think it's kind of a scam the way they like, there's Cut. also scenes of all the kids again. Like, what are we doing? We just, you just had two and a half hours of the kids. Honestly, I was happy the kids reappeared. And I think that's probably why they did it. It felt like studio notes, like maybe, oh, we need like more kids in it. But to me, it's like, I don't know. It feels like they made such a perfect first film and then didn't think about the second film while making it, which I think is the right choice. But I almost feel like they should have not thought about the first film and made the sequel as its own film. But it felt like they were so desperate to like reach that same level and like those characters and those kids. And it just felt like it was like trying to mimic that feeling of the first film with, with, with several things, having the kids in it again, de-aging them, like, that all the actors trying to desperately act like the kids instead of just make a movie with care. Like most of the time actors read a script and regardless of what they, their previous material is, they act like the script, which in turn should sound similar to the character of the kid. It felt like they all watched like way too much video of the kids. Um, so anyway, it's it. I just think there's too much in this movie. Um, but is there too much it in the movie? There is not too much. It, uh, my favorite scene in the <laughs> Please film. Please tell me is, uh, I won't spoil it, but uh, a child goes under a ble- bleachers uh, at like a baseball game. And that was my favorite scene in the film because... Both of the child deaths uh, surprised me. Well, yeah. And the reason I... So like, how do how or, do I... Or shocked. How do I talk about I this so like we don't take this audio out, out of context? But I just thought it was like the most mean-spirited thing I've ever seen in, in either of the films. To have Pennywise... Uh, sympathize and empathize with the child, get the child to come back to her, him by saying people make fun of him and right. I can get rid of your birthmark. And like, it just felt so sweet and like, we can be friends. And it's like, I believed him just like, that's the whole point. Like, and then to, for him to still just be convincing her to come to him so he could bite her head off. Right. I just thought that was the most mean, like the fact that they used like her birthmark and like empathy to get her to come to, I thought, I just thought that was really mean spirited. Uh, also my favorite scene in the movie. Um, but also I did quickly want to say it, it did feel like in that scene, I haven't heard anyone else say this. They were addressing like the 21st centuryness of Pennywise in that scene, which is cool. Cause it's a really tough thing to do. Cell phones. I talked about technology, 21st century feelings like, we don't all assume our neighbors are good. People did in the eighties. Right. Um, so in this scene, she says, I'm not supposed to talk to strangers. I'm not supposed to talk to strangers. And he goes, well, I'm, I'm your friend. And she goes, you're not my friend. You're, you're a scary clown. And in the eighties, like a scary clown, like you might talk to, but in the 21st century, kids know if you look like a fucking scary person, stay away from them. So I thought that was kind of cool. It's a very small moment, but I was like, oh, okay, they're kind of addressing the fact that this is like 2017 or whatever. Right. Um, so anyways, I don't know. What else about It Chapter 2? Uh, I think we, we I think we covered it, Da. Okay, Da. Well, uh, right now. Okay. So we're going to do, we'll do a year-end list in December or January, like right. we always do. So this is not 
done. Slash April 2020. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, that'll be our next episode is our year end list in January. Uh, Eric, um, just off top of our head, same for me, so you don't have to be held to it. What do we feel like two weeks out, you know, you probably need to see it again. Yes. You know, do we like us more? Do we like Midsummer more? Uh, go ahead. I'm still an us guy, but don't get mad at me if Crawl ends up being my yeah. favorite movie. Which we should talk about next. Yes. Um, yeah, I agree. Uh, and I think I addressed it on that audio, but I'll just say it again. Like, us was just so surprising and so big and crazy that it just blew me away where it, like I said, was exactly what I thought it was going to be. And right. that's not, I didn't, I didn't know where us was going to. Exactly. And I, I find that really exciting. Correct. It, I knew exactly where it was going. Like there's a couple new things. Oh, I did want to address one thing in the film. There's this shot, which I was just shocked. They included was, um, uh, Mike Hamlin. He starts, uh, describing like the ancient ritual, which is problematic because it deals with native Americans, but that's what, Stephen King always does. So let's move on from that. Anyways, he's describing it and he says like, they saw it. Well, what they saw what when it arrived and there's this shot of like this meteor or whatever comet or whatever coming to earth and then bursting like busting in from the atmosphere. And that was like really exciting for me to see just cause I was like, holy shit. Like they're just cool with it being an alien. Right. Like we know that like he's an interdimensional alien or whatever, but like, I was just surprised they weren't like, no, this isn't just horror. And then on with that this is my last thing. Um, basically, once it became the ending, which I guess I won't say, because my biggest question was, is the ending, does it have to do with a spider? And so I've been wondering that since we saw the first film. And once that started happening, I was like, oh, cool. It's a big sci-fi horror movie now. Mm. And then I was like, totally in. But like when you start getting that big and that CG, I don't feel like that's scary at all to me. Like it's okay. not scary, but I thought it worked because I was like, oh, it's sci-fi too. Cool. Cause like he's an alien and like they showed us that in the film. Like we knew that, but like the film was able to transition into like sci-fi horror at the end. And I was like, okay, this is, this is sick. So right. that's um, my last thing on it. Okay. Uh, I guess just my last thing, just cause you brought it up real quick. Um, speaking of like the ancient ritual, uh, whenever they learn like the revelation of like what happened when um, the Native Americans first tried to use it, yeah, I found that pretty shocking. Yeah, yeah, so that's cool. Yeah, I agree. No, it was, I mean, so I, yeah, I I definitely liked it a whole bunch. I just don't know. I, like, I can't put a number on it. I you feel know, like, like I I did a, I didn't I didn't log it on Letterbox. I feel like. My last thing, just to sort of put a wrap on it for now on our feelings. Wrap it up. I feel like we might be taking the film for granted a little bit. Okay, that's fair. And, and me too. Like, I just rewatched it and I liked it a lot, but I was like, fuck, it's too long. I feel like in like five years, it'll be like, cool, let's like throw on it chapter one and then it chapter two. Like, no, like, okay, you're looking at, I hate you, Eric. I'm saying like <laughs> over the course of two or three days, like more like a week. around October, it's like, oh, let's throw on it and then let's watch the second one. And like, we're going to have these films forever, but I think in theater, it's just asking a lot to sit through three hours of it. But, um, when we can watch it at home at our own pace, like in the middle of the day, right. You know, I think we're taking it for granted a little bit. So I follow, um, I loved it. It's just too long, but, um, I think it's so fucking awesome that like, this is how big a horror movie can be right now. Like it's just fucking sick. Agreed. Okay. Agreed. That that's, was, that's exciting that. We're getting new Halloween. It's exciting that uh, 
the rights to Texas Chainsaw Massacre just like reverted to Kim Hinkle. Yes. Uh, it's exciting that Nightmare on Elm Street reverted back to the Craven Estate. Like, I think we're only going upward from here, G. Yeah, I agree. That that TCM news, the Texas Chainsaw news, that uh, Fetty Alvarez, I guess, right at He's least right produce, now, is going to produce. And right. Did you see my tweet? I did. Like, Alex Azra, where are you at? Like, right. what the fuck? Um, It'd be perfect. Like, could not be more perfect. Like, get on that right now. Fetty's not going to direct it. Alex Aja, that's it. He just did crawl. It made money. Fucking just do that right now. I'm with you, G. So. Or we could get like artsy fartsy TCM and have Ty West do it. That would be dope, Doc. Right. I'd be all in on that. Oh, or yeah. another Alexandru Bastillo and Julianne Mori film. I would love that too. into that, yeah. Okay, Doc. So what, we're going to do crawl now? <laughs> we are, but let's pause real quick okay. for a sad moment. We forgot to mention at the top of the show, Sid Haig. Oh, yeah. yeah. So. You know, we're not, not a lot for us to say other than just sad, sad news about Sid Haig. He uh, passed. I'm afraid I didn't know ago. him until uh, House of a Thousand Corpses. I didn't either. Uh, but I think it's 100% fair to say uh, that he's an icon in the genre. Yeah. Yeah. He He's just, his Captain Spaulding character was just so iconic. And then he was in so much shit we don't even know about. So much shit. Yeah. Like um, a couple years ago, I saw... Uh, uh, in Las Cruces, New Mexico, which is where I went to college, they do uh, Halloween night screenings at this little theater called the Fountain Theater. And uh, I would go every year. Well, one year I was disappointed because like one year I went, it was Rosemary's Baby. It was fucking awesome. One year I went, it was Nightmare. I'm sorry, uh, Night of the Living Dead, the original Romero. And that was amazing. And then one year I went, it was Spider Baby. I was like, what the fuck? Spider Baby? I don't even know what that is. But we went anyway. And that is like, that's Sid Haig's like first big horror role. Um, and he's in it as like a young, young kid. And like at first I didn't even recognize him. And then I was like, oh, that is Sid Haig. Cause he's like this tall, lanky kid, uh, with that face. And uh, it's really good. Uh, Spider Baby's awesome and he's really good in it. And it's just sad. So, uh, I'll probably talk about it in a minute, but we actually, I rewatched House of a Thousand Corpses last night, uh, because of it to prepare for a three from hell. Um, he's so fucking good in that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, House of Thousand Corpses. I'll probably mention it here in a little while. But anyways, Sid Haig, R.I.P. Yeah, R.I.P. We'll be missed. And now, should we talk crawl? Let's talk crawl. All right, Dot. Why don't you start it? Okay. Uh, I fucking loved crawl. Okay. Uh, a crawl. little louder, Dot. I fucking <laughs> loved crawl, Dot. All right, okay. Dot. So crawl, as uh, we uh, just. As you just uh, mentioned, it was directed by Alexander Aja. And we think that's how you say that? Could be Asia. Could be Aja. We don't know. We're not French. So we're just always going to say Alexander Aja. I have no idea if that's how you say his name. This A doesn't stand for French. Um, It is about a woman who gets trapped in a house, her and her father, with a alligator. Yes. uh, During a tsunami. Yeah. And uh, I feel like people might be dismissive uh, based off of that uh, description. Mm-hmm. But man, does it use um, its plot very effectively. To its full extent. Full extent. Right, yeah. exactly. Um, I was kind of surprised, I guess, for for the most part, it's a single setting uh, location film. But how how much energy and momentum... They just like kept bringing to like, okay, we're stuck in this crawl space. Um, 
but here's something wild that's going to happen. And here's yeah. something wilder that's going to get happen. And here's something even crazier that's going to uh, happen. I was just on board with the film uh, the entire time. And one of the things that impressed me so much was like the look of the alligator. Yeah. The look of the storm. Like, as I was watching, I kept thinking, like, how did they fucking shoot this? Yeah. And I later saw a shot of, like, Alexander, Alexander, Asia, Asia. Um, <laughs> he's, like, in, like, swimming trunks, like, in, a, in like, you know, water, like, with the camera. And I was like, that's just fucking awesome that, you know, he's just there down in it with them. Yes. Yes. Um, I fucking loved it. Um, I guess it sort of played out as a uh, monster movie for me. Uh, there's one particular scene that I was like crazy into, and it's a jump scare. And it's a jump scare that fucking got me. Okay. Um, Describe it. I feel like it should, I feel like it was so good that it could be on that, on the Twitter account, One Perfect Shot. So there's a part where our main character is down in the crawl space, and there's like a pillar, I guess, behind her, and an alligator is behind her, and there's a flash of lightning, and the alligator like opens its mouth yeah. behind her, and he's illuminated by the flash of lightning. Yes. And it was just so fucking uh, awesome. Yeah. Not to mention the violence and the gore throughout the film. I fucking loved it, duh. Yeah, I fucking loved it. I mean, it's just it was just like ninety minutes of fun uh, to me. Yeah, I mean, I'm what right. I, what did you think? I'm right there with you. I mean, as soon as it came out, like I'm like, I got to see this again. I didn't get to see it again in theater, and now I'm like dying for it to come out on Blu-ray. Ten twenty-five. Um, I can't wait. Uh, so you know, we I, I'll try not to go on because everyone knows. I mean, if you've listened to this podcast, you know that I stand for uh, Alexander French Aja. horror. Yeah, and any French horror director, and. It, I, I just couldn't believe that Alex Aja made this movie this big for Paramount. Uh, and it was actually produced with Ghost House Pictures, which is Sam Raimi's company. Correct. Which is why I'm like, well, okay, so Fetty Alvarez is going to produce it. He's done shit. I don't know if it's with Ghost House, but he's done. Uh, he's worked with Raimi. Yeah, he's worked with them before with uh, Don't Breathe. Um, and so... Just get get everybody on board for that TCM movie. But um, I just couldn't believe it. And, you know, I talk a lot about, like, when films play out and they just feel like they have a voice and someone guiding you through a film, like, uh, you know, an, an author actually directing a film that is confident, like, confident in the work that they're doing and the way the film is. And you could just feel it from the moment it started. Like, you were saying, like, you couldn't believe how, like, the film would just consistently escalate. escalate and it felt like to me when i was listening to you, i was also thinking about the video game uh nature of it where it was like oh we can get a flashlight if we get a flashlight we can get like this mm. other thing they to had use. objectives like, to complete exactly and it's very like 10 chlorophyll lane in that nature too with the single location most single location films are um but I just was just blown away. I, mean, I was just blown away by this. Like you were talking about the look of the alligators, like several times, like I think they have like flashlights or a flare, but like the fucking alligator's eyes are like lit up. Right. Like, and I don't think it's cut. Like they're like trying to say it's cause of the lights. No, it's just cause it looks fucking cool. Cause they're like monsters in the right. film. Like they are not, I mean, if someone was like, that's not how alligators are, you'd probably be fucking right. Like <laughs> right. that's not what they're like. But in film, it looks fucking awesome. But in Crawl, like, they make you believe, like, these alligators are fucking terrifying monsters. Now, you're using plural, and I didn't want to do oh, that. Oh, my bad. I didn't want to do that. But 
Like that's one of the way the film escalates is yeah. it introduces there's multiple alligators and that was definitely like an oh shit moment yeah. uh for me. I th- I went into that film just thinking it was one and then when they had more I was just like I was probably bouncing in my seat at one moment in this film. <laughs> right. Yeah, and uh it's it's uh I don't know how to say her name, but the main character is Kaya Scodelario. Oh, you got it. Exactly so let's just pronounced. say Kaya. I don't know fucking how to say her last name. But uh, I just thought she was amazing in I the agree. film. She brought such a like energy and heart. And that's something you didn't mention, which I'm sure you loved, was like how the film has a heart. It's yeah. not... I'm not going to oh, say... Yeah. like I totally bought like, Me too. Uh, the, the father and the daughter like, yes. relationship. Like uh, They're kind of grown apart when the film is start, but yeah. you learn that they did once have this strong relationship and it's this strong relationship that they use throughout the course of the film to try to get away from And like her like hopes alligators. and dreams of like being a swimmer and all these things come into play. Right. Like, um, I just thought it there was, was like, one point. It was a bit too corny for me, but other than that, I did buy. Yeah. Into it. And that was kind of what I was going to get at is yes. These things are like pretty stereotypical, like father daughter relationship, they need to rekindle like their appreciation for each other and like just, but it works. I think it I works. Agree. And also in a film that you're going to see, which is about like alligators being trapped in a base, a basement with an alligator. Um, I was just so like surprised that this is what, like, again, it's an Alexander Aja film by Paramount pictures. The budget was $14 million and this is what it was like and then, and then, and then, I hope I'm making sense here. And then it also has like mean spirited violence mm-hmm. that's like, does it, you know, borderline, you know, French type, not giving a shit nihilistic violence, including alligators, uh, an alligator, whatever. And, but it's also like a cool movie with a heart about like a father and a daughter. Mm-hmm. And like, again, is this the best movie ever made? Is this the most perfect sound? Uh, does it have corny moments? Maybe, but I was just like clapping. I was like, this is that's, so fucking badass. That's what I was just going to say. Like, maybe it's none of those things, but I'll tell you what it is. All of those things. Uh, fun. Yeah, totally. And, and that's what films should be. Yeah. Crawl. One, one thing films should be. Yes. And, you know, we, we do the, this saying comes out a lot, but like crawl is why I go to the movies. Like right. that's why I fucking go to the movies. And I think I went into it maybe not expecting that. And yeah. I think maybe that was a treat for me to be like, Oh, this is going to be cool. And then to come out like that was great. Yeah. I mean, I totally agree. I, I can't gush on it any further. You know, there's the, the alligators look, like I said, they're like monsters. Like, and that's so so key in films like this where it's like animal terror or whatever. It's like, you need to make it scary. And the way they did that was like, they're basically not like, they're like fucking terrifying alligators. Like they're, like I said, they probably don't even move or work like alligators do. Right. But that's not the point in this film. They do. And, um, I just thought it was brilliant. And like, there's always like hope, you know, it's like, Oh, you might get rescued. Like in the first, like 30, no, you're just not going to like, I'm not spoiling anything. I'm just saying like the film keeps you going along. Like you said, and then also, you know, just, just, I know I've already said it, but just like the heart and then how mean spirited some of the stuff is, but it's not a mean film. Like that's, what's cool. No. It has mean spirited violence. It does have the Alexander Ajra edge that I love, but then it's also like, I was shocked that he made one, a film with a heart and also had like that violence. And I was like, wow, like that's not really what the Hills have eyes remake is like, that's not really what mirrors is. 
Um, definitely not what high tension is like. Right. So it was just exciting to see him make a film like this that played so well. And yeah, it made $86 million. So, you know, it's not a crazy hit, but a good hit. And especially for Paramount who doesn't make any money on anything. Um, it was just cool. So I hope the biggest thing about that money part is like, all right, so Alex Aja did that. So like y'all go give him another movie or whatever. Exactly. Get him to do something else. So anyways, exactly. If I can gush about him any further, I love it. Love the film. I agree. Crawl's fucking awesome. I can't wait for it to come out on Blu-ray. Not coming out in 4K. That's disappointing. Really? That's weird. Just Blu-ray. So, Eric. Yes. What the hell else? We've talked two films. We're like an hour into the podcast. Okay. So, here we go. Let's keep rolling. Okay. I say let's keep rolling, but our next film is kind of, I mean, we saw it a long time ago. So we don't have to go on about it, okay. but but midsummer, midsummer. Okay, so you know the film came out a while ago. We we don't have to do a full full crazy review, but like, what did we think of midsummer? I definitely liked it, especially once I knew what the fuck it was. Yeah, because I felt like I didn't know what the fuck um, the point was exactly. It was going yeah. right exactly. Um, I love that it ends up being like a crazy cult flick. Yeah, I guess would be the easiest way I would. Um, Describe it. Mm-hmm. I really liked it. Uh, I guess the biggest thing would be just like visually for me. Yeah. Um, I love that it's all fucking uh, daytime. Yes. Um, drenched in daylight. Right. Drenched in daylight. Yeah. Um, I was super into it. Yeah. I, I feel like I'm struggling to no, remember no, it. No, I, I totally. But I, I know I definitely liked it. I totally get how you feel. And because I only got to see it once. And Same. my notes are literally midsummer. My notes read feel similar to the way I felt about hereditary after one viewing. And that's how I feel. Like I thought it was brilliant, insane, cool, like a little long. Um, I felt hereditary was a bit more straightforward for sure than midsummer was. I agree. But you know, tonally and visually still wholly Ari Aster Right, and that was exciting just to see like more of him. Now that I'm thinking about it, it may have lost me a bit at the end. Not, I mean, I stayed awake. Yeah, but I just mean like in terms of storytelling, I think I may have been like, "What the fuck is happening? I'm not comprehending." Yeah, I think I think another viewing. I mean, I remember when we when we did our top ten for and Hereditary was that year. When right. we did it, I remember putting Hereditary at like my number four and being Same, like, "Same," but I remember saying like, "This is actually number one." Yeah, I do too. But also, I then went and rewatched Hereditary like, a couple weeks after we did that episode. Okay. And I'm not going to say it would have been my number one that year, but I was like, holy fuck. Like, this is great. Like, and we already knew that, but I liked it even more being able to see it on my own terms at home. And so I feel like Midsummer is probably going to end up that way for me. Um, I love it. I think it's fucking awesome. But, um,. I definitely want to see it again. And like you said, like when you find out what the film is, like the allegorical nature of it, what it's trying to get across about relationships, um, then you're like, holy fuck. Like, yeah, that whole, the whole movie makes sense to me at least. Um, and the, the main thing that I remember from the film is actually like the first 10 minutes. And I'm actually not going to say it because like my brother's probably going to listen to this. I want him to see it. He hasn't seen it, but there's this image of, uh, of our main character's sister. And just the tone and the way it's shot, like, it's one of the most dread-filled, fucked-up images I've seen in a long time. And I remember seeing that, like, god damn, Ari Aster, like, this is more of Hereditary. And I felt Hereditary in that moment, like, wow, you're just insane. 
And then he goes on this journey into what Midsummer, Midsummer actually is, which is like this festival and possibly this cult. And I love that stuff. But I think, I think as horror fans, we're a little like, how do I put this? Well, I didn't know exactly what was going to occur. I already knew like, okay, Wicker Man. Okay, the sacrament. Okay, any cult film always ends kind of the same way. And so while I didn't know, you know, exact I don't want to say anything exactly what was going to occur, the film ended it like it it went to the direction exactly what I thought it was. So I'm not going to say I was disappointed, but it didn't have I was like, "Okay, cool. Like it's a cult film. Right. It's about a cult." And it went exactly how I thought it would. So, but the, his imagery and his ideas are are mind blowing, and so I like it for that. I enjoyed being on that journey with those kids because they're as confused as we are. Yeah, they're trying to figure out what the hell's going on, Audi- just like we were. So I felt like I was a part of the group, audience surrogate. Yes, yeah, I totally agree. And so I don't know. I mean, it was a while ago, so that's why we're not like crazy pumped. But I like it. I can't wait to see it again. I can't wait for it to come out on blue. It was literally more than three months ago. Yeah, I know. Which is crazy. I know. We were we we saw it like right after we recorded that episode. Right. But uh anyways, um I think it's just one of the, you know, I just want Ari Aster to do whatever he wants and if I don't love it as much as Hereditary, that's fine with me. Right. Like because I thought, but do you get what I'm saying about the cult aspect? Like any cult film you watch, like anything, kill list even. Like they all end the same way? Right. So it's kind of like the cult taking over? Yeah. So Well, at least our characters Right. And then crazy shit happening and then the film ending. Like that's kind of what, so I already kind of knew that that was probably going to happen. So I wasn't like uber shocked by anything. Mm. Um, but I really liked it. So that's midsummer. Sorry for our middling review. Uh, it was a while ago, but I thought we had to talk. Excited to revisit. Yeah. What do you want to talk next? Uh, what do we got? Well, I mean, did you see scary stories? I did not see scary stories. Okay. So I saw that. I'll talk about that. Okay. Uh, we could do, well, we could mention once upon a time in Hollywood. Sure. Is it still your favorite film of the year? I think so. I really? Think, I think. Well, tell me about it. I mean, you don't have got to go on about it, but tell me about it. We're going to talk once upon a time. Yeah, I think Hollywood? so. Okay. Um, uh, so once upon a time in <laughs> Hollywood, Hollywood is uh Tarantino's ninth film. And uh, it is the relationship between uh, Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt's character, Rick Dalton and Cliff Booth. Uh, one is an actor. One is the other's um, stuntman. And uh, we learn that this is the late 60s. Uh, Rick Dalton was once this uh, super popular uh, Western TV actor who wishes to transition to be a big film actor. But... Uh, his ship has sailed and it's him having to finally come to terms with, um, not being, um, as great as he thought he once was. Yes. And as this is happening, uh, this is also at least the third act of the film. The summer whenever, uh, Manson's family would murder, uh, Sharon Tate. Um, for me, I know nothing about those events. Uh huh. Um, so moments like when Cliff is at the Spawn Ranch, I was just like, is this shit real? Like, I know the outcome of the Sharon Tate murder. Where is Tarantino taking this? Sure. So for me, because he usually does alternative history. Sure. Yeah. 
so for me, a lot of the fun of the film was like, where is he going to go with this? Yes. Okay, we we know <laughs> what really happened. I don't know how much of this is real. Yes. Um, and so I had a blast following where he was going to uh, take it. Of course, I loved how it exists in the real world. I love how, like, you know, uh, Rick eventually goes to work for Sergio Cabucci, my favorite fucking spaghetti western fucking director uh, in real life. <laughs> yeah, you know, the Corbucci squad. I love fucking moments like that. You know, I love whenever fucking um, you know Sharon Tate goes to watch herself in yeah. a film, um, and then I love how it finally gets like cranked up to like eleven. And then it's just like an explosion of violence. I want all movies to end with explosions of violence. With explosions of violence, it's fucking hilarious. Um, I mean, I feel dumb saying this. <laughs> it's greatly acted. Uh, I fucking loved it, Doc. What yeah. did you think? Yeah, I think it's a film like somehow solely made for you. Okay, no, it's made for everybody. I mean, but like it's like so per like the fact that it has to do with Corbucci and you have an Instagram called the Corbucci Squad, right? Um, yeah, I mean, it's, clear. and I love violence. Yeah. <laughs> I love, I love fictional violence. Yeah. We might want to correct that, the record uh, there. Yeah. Yeah. No. So, I mean, so I love it as well. I mean, it was a while ago, again, similar to midsummer. This is a long time ago that we saw this and I love it as well. I think it's like oddly like Tarantino's sweetest film. I hundred percent agree. And it, and I think that that was really interesting to see like how, how sweet both of them are to each other and how they're like best friend it's almost like a bromance and then um how sweet he is with like sharon tate and like you said how he shows her just like watching herself in the theater and how like we get to experience that and i think this film has like unlimited layers that that are to unpack because like you know what are we doing okay so for instance like a question people have is like oh what are we doing with sharon tate with let's just leave it at that because we we should not spoil the end of the film and you know I think the answer that's been best surmised is that we're getting to see Sharon Tate. We're getting a better look of her uh, life and how she was and how, you know, we're appreciating Sharon Tate right. um, in the film because we really didn't get to, and her, her whole life has been now just summed up by the Manson murders that occurred in real life. Right. And so I think that that is infinitely interesting. And then, you know, just living and breathing in in Hollywood on um, 1969. In 1969, like that scene where um, Brad Pitt just like drives down the strip with the right. lights and stuff, like that is amazing. Um, ultimately, at least on my first viewing, like I like everyone's like, oh, it's my favorite Tarantino film. Like, well, that's not true. Like, that's not my favorite Tarantino film. I'm a hateful eight guy. Go yeah, ahead. yeah. I mean, but again, like, so you know, you're you're that's. I'm trying to say that's true. Like, like mine would probably be, you know, Reservoir Dogs or even right. Pulp Fiction or, you know, like Kill Bill. Like, I, I feel like this movie is awesome, but like those films are like some of the best movies ever made. But, um, I ultimately like loved it. I loved being in it, but then I ultimately felt sort of like, huh, like it, it, when it was over, it's like, right. okay. Um, but I didn't, did it not stick with you? It did for a while because I, you know, I was just thinking about all of these things. And I think again, like repeated viewings are going to be a big deal with this, but what you were getting at, and then we won't have to go about this one, this film forever. It was a while ago and it's not really horror, but, um, it's Tarantino. So fuck it. But, uh, you were talking about, Cock it. you were talking about the, uh, the sort of alternative history nature of it. Sure. 
And I do feel like that's odd. Like it's almost like Tarantino is requiring you to have knowledge of these events. But I don't, I'm going to disagree slightly. Because like, I didn't know, like, so like the Manson family, like really did stay at Spawn Ranch. Okay. But let me put this out there. If we didn't know who the Manson family was. Okay. And you went to that film, you never even heard of that. You don't know anything about murders or you never even heard of a serial killer. Okay. Okay. And he gets out at that ranch. You would feel something's wrong because of the tone and the direction. Sure. But also, I what would that... I just don't know how that works with, with if you didn't have that knowledge. Like, we assume, oh, well, this is Charles Manson's ranch. Do, do you think it's wrong for a director to expect... No, I just think it's... An audience to have some knowledge? No, I just think it's a totally different type of film... I guess what I'm getting at is, like, I didn't know any of that shit was real. Okay. And so, like, it still worked for me. Right. Because, like, kind of what you just said, like, how the tone is, like... The way it's shot, it's ominous. Something's wrong. Yeah. Um, Like, specifically, like, the part when, like, the girl who's, like, watching TV in the house... Yeah. And and Cliff is being, you know, persistent that he wants to speak to George Spawn. And she's, like, saying, oh, well, you can't because he's asleep. He needs a nap because we watch TV. Uh, at five o'clock and we just fucked and that's why he's so tired and then all that ends up being fucking real yeah like so i'm on the edge of my seat going like what is she telling me am i believing her right now yeah i don't know what to believe so even though i didn't have any context i didn't even know what fucking spawn ranch was until this fucking film um it still works for me yeah no i i agree and, and I'm, I'm merely just bringing up the idea i mean I think it works because we know about it. Like I, I just think it's like one was, of the most interesting films like I've ever seen. I was definitely excited to get to the conclusion because yeah. I was like, "What's he gonna do?" Yeah, and what he does is fucking awesome. Yes, but then we, you know, again, not saying this is a bad thing, but then we spend an hour of the film like on this like spaghetti western set. I guess that's just a ton of character building. Yeah, and I loved it. And I and and uh, Leo is so good in it, and that little girl and the whole scene they have together. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's beautiful. I mean, it's beautiful filmmaking. It's amazing, and that's why I think it's like his sweetest film. But it's also just odd. Like I like, what are we doing? And then ultimately, it feels like to me, and this is not a bad thing. We're just hanging out. This is a hangout film, and Agreed. that's and that's totally fine. Agreed. But seeing it the first time. I was a little like, huh, okay, I guess we're just hanging out with these characters. Agreed. But now that I know that, like when I rewatch, I'm really excited to see it again because then I already know like, okay, cool, we just need to hang out in like the 60s with Sharon Tate and these guys. Um, and like that's the film. And Eli Roth's wife. And this is kind of dumb. Ex-wife, sorry. Sorry, Eli. Um, but you know, since it's supposed to be the real world, like I like how we see like Roman Polanski. I like yeah. how we say. I like how we see Jay Sebring. I like how we see. Well, you know, I you like know, all that stuff. Uh, Bruce Lee. It's like fun, you know, it was to to bring a bring a moment in time. That's something I certainly wasn't around for, but for something I love, it's just like a real treat. You yeah. know, but, I like fucking Game of Death and shit like that. So it's just fun to be like, we're gonna hang out with the guy who made that film. Yeah, and again, like I think the tough part for me is I'm doing what we shouldn't do, which is viewing it with the backdrop of Tarantino's filmography. Okay. And it's like, to me, it's almost wholly something different and that's fine. When I went to go see this movie, a buddy of mine who's never going to hear this. So I'm going to say his name. 
or Isai Smith was there. Do you know Isai? Yeah, what's up, Isai? Isai was fucking faded, duh. Okay. And Isai was being so goddamn loud. Well, shout out to Isai. So I just thought it was funny that um, it was somebody who was being disruptive that I knew. Like, if I was ever going to tell somebody to shut the fuck up, it could have been then. Okay. <laughs> but I didn't. I'm glad, I'm glad you, you chose this time yes. to bring that up. Yes. Well, that was Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Again, you know, I do what I always do. I'm not trying to say, like, I loved it. Yes. But it was just, thing. I felt so many different things about the film. And I think it's really interesting. Again, it's going to be a film we'll watch forever. But uh, it just felt wholly different from Tarantino's, like, the rest of his films. Like, think about, you know, obviously... Um, Inglorious Bastards or Hateful Eight or like what's kind of those funny. films have plots and this film felt plotless, which is cool. It's just different. Um, just like how like nasty and mean spirited Hateful Eight is, yeah. And then just like how like sweet um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is. Yep, I totally agree. Yeah, and and I like it was weird seeing him be so sweet, which is cool. I hope he makes more movies, and if he stops making movies soon, like I'm gonna be, I'm gonna turn on him. If he stops making movies, just so you know, you're gonna be, be like, fuck Tarantino after 10. Not fuck Tarantino, but kind of like, what do you like? Don't stop. I thought he was going to like start writing novels or some bullshit. Oh, like just that. kill like me. Just plays or just something. kill me. Yeah. I mean, just make movies. You're good at it. All right, dog. Keep going. All right, dog. What we got next? I don't think we got, <clears throat> we got Stranger one things. more thing. Stranger things. So what do we want to say about Stranger things? I fucking loved it, duh. Me too. We're just going to fucking talk Strangers thing. I don't remember a goddamn thing about it because it was fucking <laughs> three fucking months ago. Yeah. But what I do know is that it was my favorite of the three seasons. Really? Uh, absolutely. Uh, 100%. Um, I love that it was a giant fucking monster. How about that, duh? Mm-hmm. Ultimately, I just want the kids to get together. Yeah. And unfortunately, we don't really get that until the very end. Um, I had a blast. Huh? It was like that was like a perfect eight hours. Yeah, I agree. I thought there was this weird like narrative around it where it was like not very good or like everyone was so focused on the Russians. What? And not very good. Well, I heard like a lot of people be like, "Oh, like the Russian stuff is like pointless and stupid." What? And it's like, well, what isn't pointless da, and stupid? Da da. I'm glad you brought up the Russians because I'm glad that there's like so much shit in stranger things. And this is what stranger things is. In my opinion is like an homage to the shit that we love. Yeah. But I love how like that fucking big Russia dude is basically the fucking Terminator. Yeah. That was you the know? Terminator. Yeah. Yeah. I fucking love that. You know, I love how the fucking monster is basically the thing. Yeah. Like that's what stranger things is to me. And that's why I like it so much. So I'm excited to say what stranger things is to me. Please do. And something that's just so wholly evident for me in this season was what I tweeted, which is simply the characters. Like, that's mm. all. And and that sounds easy to say, right? Like, oh, the characters. But, like, what I realized was, wow, I really don't give a fuck about this plot. Just don't care about it. But what the plot facilitates for me is just characters. Right. And um, I fell in love with Robin. I think she's Agreed. the best new character that, that the show has even Scoop's ever true. had. She's awesome. And I still love fucking... Uh, Oh, you know, I love Steve. Steve. Yeah, I still love Steve. Who doesn't love Steve? Yep. Who who doesn't? And I just loved the character. I mean, it sounds like such a cop-out to just be like, oh, the characters. That's literally the only point of the show for me now. Because you said this is your favorite season. Yes. For me, it's just like that first season is so special. It's so emotional. It's so grounded and small and about losing your child and wanting them back. And just so small and emotional and I think that to me is the best kind of storytelling. But now and then, it was like, we're going to make some big shit. I agree. And so I'm okay with that. 
because we have the first season. I love the first season. We already have it. So I was excited by this season just because like they, they really developed uh what's her name? Uh, Max. I thought Max was a great yes. character this season. One of my favorite. Uh, I was super surprised what they did with her older brother. Yeah. Oh like yeah. The turn Billy. he had. Yeah. Yeah. He was like, okay, sure. I won't, I shouldn't say, um, I loved Max and Eleven. That my one of my favorite scenes in the whole uh, third season is their uh, uh, montage of, of shopping at the mall. Yes, um, I love that. And you know, it's eighties and all these things. I just love these characters, these kids, um, and then you know the adults. I love as well. Hop and fucking Winona Ryder. I love how unhinged he is in this episode. He's just like constantly this season, yeah, uh, screaming. Uh, this is completely pointless to say. There's like a, a moment in one of the episodes, must be early, uh, where Max does an ollie, and I was like, "Huh, I want to go skate." So I mean, it so got, got me, you to skate. So it got me pumped to go skate. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, I loved it. I mean, I think that it's a little too big. It's a little too stupid with the Russians. I mean, it, that's how I felt. It's a little too big and stupid, um, you know. And you know where the where the season ends also feels like a little too big and a little too stupid, but. It's like, who gives a shit at this point? That That's what I had to like, I let go quickly. I was like, oh, who fucking cares? Because I want more of these characters fucking hanging out, doing their shit. And when I say that, it's like, oh, so anything can be good as long as it has characters. Like, oh, what are characters? What do you mean by that? Fucking writing. I am shocked, shocked how good they wrote these characters for all three seasons, but especially this one. Like we, okay. For instance, we watched Riverdale. What a show, huh? Had characters for a season. For a season. And then you just write your characters into shit. What's funny is uh, uh, Dana was like, so like, keep watching Riverdale. Just like a week ago, he was like, stop, dude. It sucked. I was like, I I know. And the reason I bring it up is it's like, oh, so characters, like anything can have good characters. Yeah. But it's really hard to keep writing for them. Right. And this just blew my mind how like, at times emotional and sweet. All the characters can be in their relationships between each other. Um, like I said, the introduction of Robin, I think is a big thing. Cause you could even introduce a new character that I could like that much. Right. Um, and then also like you can improve Max's character, which she's new from season two. You even have thing new things for Billy to do in certain ways. Like, um, and then, like I said, like, uh, uh, Winona Ryder and fucking hop, hop. Fucking whatever his name is. Uh, I like the David Harbour. Russian dude. I forget his name. He yeah. was good. He's dead. Spoiler. Spoiler alert. But like when he did, like I felt for it. Yeah, me too. So even um, though it was a new character to introduce, I was already just like, oh, Carrie Elvis. Carrie Elvis is the mayor. Uh-huh. Uh, Dr. Gordon. Yes. Uh, from Saw. And yeah, it's just, I just loved it. I loved it. It was funny. Like three or four episodes in, I'm like, fuck it. I fucking love this shit. Yeah, and I'm, I don't care. It's my and favorite so, season. You know, I do want to say, just to say a couple more things, you, you were saying like the references and stuff. And while I do like those things, I feel like those things are starting for me starting to like not work as well. Cause it's just like trying to, I feel like the first wanted se- to do its own thing now. Yeah. And I feel like the first season integrated those things so well. And it was so, it was sort of masked because it was the first season. Now it's like, okay, we fucking get it. It's Terminator. Right. I still liked that. But, um, again, I don't even care because of how well they've written these characters and how much I love them. So stranger things three, I fucking loved it too. It's good. It's great. So we can do Terratunes now, duh? Yes, duh. It's finally time for Eric Coffin's Terratunes. Eric Coffin's Terratunes. Fuck you, Eric. Fuck you. Fuck you, Eda. Fuck you. Okay. All right. So today is Tuesday, September the 24th. And just a few days ago on Tuesday, September, Saturday the 21st, I traveled to El Paso, Texas, 
with my girlfriend Melissa to catch uh, not one, not two, but three of my favorite horror punk bands ever. Uh, those bands being Zombeast, The Stellar Corpses, and Calabrese. Um, what I thought was funny was uh, Dana, as you know, not our listeners. What's up, Dana? He loves to offer the like, what would you do if, or would you rather, or Dana's always want, Dana's always asking these bullshit questions. Okay, the best example, I'm not gonna repeat it and don't repeat it. Okay. He asked me, like, we were going to see Godzilla, King of Monsters. Okay. And he gave me some ultimatum about, like, would you rather watch this or Daisy Ridley, something, something, something. Exactly. And I was like, what exactly. the fuck are you talking about? That's what Dana does. Dana loves offering bullshit. He loves asking bullshit questions. And he, he did loved, that the whole trip. Yes, and he loves trying to twist your arm into buying shit. That's that's how I would describe Dana. So one of those times, Dana asked me, like, what would be your dream horror punk show? Like, who would you have on it? And what's funny is, like, this is kind of it. Like, other than the Jasons, like this, like that fucking like bullshit question of Dana's, like, kind of became a reality yeah. with this fucking show. And I'll explain a little bit more why too. Okay. So, uh, the band that I was most excited to see was Zombies. Okay. Zombies is a fucking not band. Not Calabrese. Okay. So I, so I love fucking Calabrese, right? But this was the fourth time I've seen, uh, Calabrese. So Zombies, along with Calabrese, is a fucking, uh, band that I found on MySpace, you know, over a fucking decade ago. Yes. And in my opinion, they don't get the recognition they deserve in the horror punk genre. For me, they're like top five. That's how much I fucking dig zombies. And they broke up in like 2008. And it was just last year they announced that they were going to get back together. So being able to finally fucking see them, they're from Tempe, Arizona, like eight hours away from us. Mm -hmm. For them to come as close as two and a half hours away from me, uh, I was just too pumped, right? I was just too fucking excited. Um because of how much I like them, you know, that idea that they broke up and now that they're back together, like, holy fuck, I'm going to see fucking zombies, right? So we get to the show, um, and I, I like, want to, and this is at the same bar. I saw you got your marquee picture you always want, now. Uh, yeah, I finally did. Well, I wanted to get a marquee picture uh, with the Jasons, but they didn't have their name out there. And this is at the same bar that I watched the Jasons. Really? This were, is there, at, were there people there, like, they were at the Jasons? Duh. The turnout was much bigger really? for this show uh, than the Jasons. Yeah. And I definitely underestimated that. Like, they sold out of tickets online, which is kind of fucking wild. Um, and they were just, you know, fortunately, we were able to get them at the door. Uh, so, anyways, now I'm, I'm disappointingly... Because Eric doesn't buy tickets online for anything. Correct. Planes, trains, automobiles. automobiles. Right, exactly. Um, there's a fucking barrier in front of the stage now. And I was like, what the fuck? Oh, well, we know why. <laughs> well, we know why. And like, it goes like right below my nipples. Oh. So, so it's not like the biggest thing, but like, I hate that now there's this barrier. Cause uh, you can't be lifted off the ground by a divine intervention. Right. And get on stage. Right. Exactly. So, so I'm, did you, did, uh, so did you feel, have that feeling? So this I'm time? not going to get right into it, Doc. Go, Doc. Go, Doc. Go, Doc. Right it. Okay, Doc. So, you know, as they're, as they're doing their sound check, E-Dog's already like, you know, off on the side. It's I'm like starting a circle pit. I'm going to be in the very fucking front barrier or not. E-Doc's going to be there, right? Okay. Zombie starts. 
It's amazing. I'm doing what E-Dog does. Up and down. I'm singing along. And I realized, wait, this barrier is kind of cool because, like, I could dance with it. Like, I could, like, use it as a prop. Yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. My fucking hand was, like, sore from as many times as I was, like, punching it. I wasn't punching it. I was, like, stomping it, like, with my hand. Okay. So, anyways, E-Dog's getting down, and it just fucking happened where I pulled myself up with the barrier. Yes. Yes. So, now I'm, like... you're. Uh, in the air, <laughs> um, not on stage. But yeah, like now yeah. I'm like on top of uh, the barrier, you know. So I'm just having a blast. Uh, what's funny is I did this a few more times, and what's funny is like I didn't plan on it. Like it just yeah, that's just I'm just having fun. Yeah, it just happens. And when I do it, the singer he's got this like long hair like past his shoulders. He's like I don't know if he's like head banging, moving his head, but I just take a mouthful of his fucking hair, Doc. Really? I just take a mouthful of his. Did fucking you like hair. it, Doc? When I, no, I didn't. I made the, the the dumb joke to Melissa later. I said, uh, "Well, if I get mouth lice, uh, we know why." So, anyways, <laughs> uh, the set ends. It's fucking incredible. Uh, the singer picks up uh, his set list and he hands it to me. Nice. And I'm like, "Fuck yeah!" You know, thank you. You still you have it somewhere? Oh, of course. Get this. this you is didn't where, have to disinfect it. This is where it gets fucking cooler, Doc. So I walk over to Melissa. She was just standing on the side. And I say, hey, this is fucking tight, but I don't want to fucking hold this for the rest of the night. You know? And Melissa's like, oh, well, I'll go and um, put it in the car. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, awesome. And she's taking forever to come back. God damn it. And Melissa's taking forever. And I'm like, what God the fuck is going it. on? I'm trying to get us like a seat now for, not a seat, like close again. I made them a, a sit- spot. A spot, right. Um, I under- and this is for zombies? Uh, we just watched zombies. Right. Yes. And, uh, I made, so, and like, whenever I left, people like started going up for stellar corpses. And that's probably the biggest, uh, underestimation I made. I was surprised as how wild people went for the stellar corpses. Okay. Okay. So anyways, um, I'm like trying to, you know, so I see that and I want to like get a, a better spot. Uh, and I'm waiting for her to come back and I'm like, what the fuck is taking her so long? Right. She takes a picture. She, I get a text from her. It's a picture. She's gone, and she's asked them all uh, to sign it. Oh, the set list. Yeah. Nice. So, she, so she's got all zombies um, to sign the set list. So you're pissed at her. You're like, Melissa, where are you? And I was like, where the fuck are you? Are you? You're going and, crazy. And, and then she's like, babe, I was getting their signatures. And she literally got me their autograph. So what I want to do right now is play the Mighty Zombies. This is Flesh Eaters. Okay, so banger ass track, right? I'd like to I'd like to continue the rest of the night if that's okay. Absolutely. Okay. That's so, a great song, by the way. Oh, it's fire. So uh next is Stellar Corpses, and I underestimated how hard people were gonna go for um 
stellar corpses people got i would say they were i would say the crowd was the rowdiest for them were they hardcore dancing in the living room no they were just you know like pushing and you know they instead of going up and down they were going left and right yes anyways here's what's fucking cool about the stellar corpses set list okay in 2001 i'm taking it back g in september of 2001 I'm i'm rewinding the clocks you know 18 years which is fucking crazy. It was that long ago. Davey Havoc did a side... AFI. Yes. AFI Davey Havoc did a side project with members of Danzig called Son of Sam. Yep. Okay. In 2008, Son of Sam would do a second record without Davey Havoc with a guy by the name of Sky Vaughn. In the project, he would go by Ian Thorne. Okay. So, keep following me here, G. Ian Thorne was the singer for the second Son of Sam album, right? So, uh, like a few weeks before this fucking tour was announced, uh, members of the Stellar Corpses posted on their social media, they fucking broke up. Wow. Like, what the fuck? They're dunzos, right? Right. So, uh, the singer, uh, there's this girl named Erin Micklow, I think, and she has a, a YouTube interview show where she just like, Interviews punk dudes. I, I love us saying people's last names. Like, like I feel we know like them. that's a bit. Yeah. Well, oh, okay. no, because we don't know how to say them. Okay. I, w- I want to say it's Aaron Micklow. Uh, anyways, uh, the singer of the Stellar Corpses, he goes on Aaron Micklow's show and he says, Yes, we broke up, but I've got members. I've got, I, I, I got these dudes who are going to fill in for our live dates. And the guy who's going to play guitar for us is Ian fucking Thorne of Son of Sam. And during their fucking set, they played some Son of Sam shit. Nice. No, that's fucking sick, dude. It was that's fucking awesome. insane, dog. Yeah. So, like, not only is it Calabrese, Zombies, and the Stellar Corpses, now it's even fucking Son of Sam. Yeah, I mean, not to interrupt, but real quick. So, like, this taking- is horror punk madness right now, G. Yeah, like, real quick. So, Taking Back Sunday broke up, uh, like, their, their band members. They got new band members. Well, after a while, the old band members came back and they did sh- new shows. Mm-hmm. Well, while those band members were away, John Nolan and Sean Cooper, they made a band called Straylight Run. And so when they came back to the band, they played Straylight Run songs with Taking Back Sunday. Ah. And so, like you said, it was a horror punk like moment. Right. Uh, that's like an emo moment. Like it's right. like fucking Straylight Run and Taking Back Sunday. And I never forget. I'm like, holy shit! Like TBS is gonna play Straylight Run shit. So point being, that's fucking awesome. Dom. Yeah, I was so happy that I was there for this moment in horror punk history. Duh. Okay. So Stella Corpses comes and goes. Fucking awesome. Uh, Calabrese. Is up next, right? This is uh, okay, uh, and you haven't gotten on stage at this point. No, unfortunately, I I never do. Damn it! Right? Yeah. So no, that never I happens. just figured, you know, divine will right like, lift you into the clouds. No, unfortunately, it didn't happen this time. It was that goddamn barrier. There was no divin. Uh, there there was no there was only original sin. Uh, so um, Calabrese comes out to the Danzig song. I'm the one in the middle of their set. Uh, they start playing a piece of music, uh, like from a speaker, like a, a score of a film, and I'm like. I know this. Da, 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 da. What is it? You're close, G. It's Halloween 3. Oh, shit. Okay. And I'm like, fuck yeah. You know, yeah. they're just like taking a break. They're tuning, but they're is playing it, is it that the like, Halloween 3. Yes. And it's like that whole like piece where it like builds. Yeah. Yeah. It's so fucking awesome. Where like the pumpkin is like being created on the on the TV. It's that part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Not that we've seen that film a lot. Right. Exactly. Melissa is standing behind me now. And, you know, that's why I had to turn to her. And I was like, it's the Halloween 3 score. You know, so I'm all excited. Uh, so their set ends. 
and they end with um the silver shamrock the happy happy nice. halloween you know like they walk off and it was funny because people started chanting one more song but to the tone of that they're like one more song but to the happy happy halloween yeah uh, it sounds terrible me doing it but they were doing it in rhythm eight more days till halloween yeah. halloween so halloween. eventually they would come back they would do a couple more songs they didn't say, so this is why we don't do fucking encores and walk off the stage. Unfortunately, that was only the Jasons. <laughs> so, they have two plastic jack-o'-lanterns uh, on stage with them. And the drummer, Davey Calabrese, he picks them up and he throws one. And E-Dog goes for it, G. And E-Dog's just a sweaty fucking mess right now. And you're now. being lifted into the sky. And I'm just a sweaty mess. And I get my hands on the fucking pumpkin dock. And it just slips out of my hands. And it just like shoots back up in the air. And I'm like, God damn it. I had my hands on it, you know? And then Melissa pats me on the back and she caught it. Ah, yeah. So, so that was fucking tight. Yeah. And, uh, Melissa was really the MVP of this show. She really was. Oh, yeah. And, uh, so, uh, after the show, you know, I wanted to buy shirts. I wanted to buy merch. And, uh, Melissa wants. Can I explain to you something real quick? Sure. You tweeted, "I'll never understand why people buy merch before shows because yes. why do they have to hold it?" Let me quickly explain to you why people do that because shit sells out. Okay. So like at most That's shows, fair. like TBS and shit, they'll like run out of sizes and shit. So I don't do that either because I'm not a psychopath. But people buy shit early because shit sells out or they run out of a size. I saw whatever. a motherfucker holding CDs. I get what you're saying. It yeah, could, all it right, could, all it right. could run out, but like you don't need a size for that. I'm just saying, like, like if you go to a brand new show, everyone goes straight to the merch shit because they only have like 200 for each date, whatever right. their shit is. So oh, that's why. I'm glad you said that. So what was really fucking cool was, um, so whenever the Stella Corpse is played, uh, he said he was like, you know, go look at our merch table. One of the things we did was we recorded a live studio album. We only pressed a hundred for this tour, nice. and we didn't tell anybody about it. So here's your only chance to get it. So I, was, so I definitely uh, got nice. a copy of that. Fuck yeah. So um, the show's over. Melissa wants all of Calabrese to sign um, the pumpkin, the jack-o'-lantern. And the uh, drummer is just like hanging out by the merch table. And so we go and we go to uh, talk to him. And as we're talking to him, he's like, hey, you want my set list? Nope. And I was like, yes. So he signs it. I'm fucking Dunda. I'm fucking tired. I just like jumped up and down and screamed as hard as I could through three of my fucking favorite horror. Yeah, you're bands. over 30 years old at this point. I'm, yeah. I just want to go sit down. Yeah, absolutely. So that's what I do. And Melissa goes and she talks with the guitarist, gets his signature. And then I go with her to talk to the bassist. Uh, she gets his signature. I regret not going with her and to talking get, to them and shit. Yeah. Yeah. And getting them to sign the set list as well. And, uh, as we're leaving, I awkwardly tear the bassist of Calabrese, uh, Jimmy Calabrese. Drive safe. And that concludes. And that concludes. Eric Coffin's Eric Coffin's No. Yep. So you awkwardly drive safe. Drive safe. And he was like, all right. I, 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 <laughs> also, I, I almost feel like that's like a threat the way you said it. Like on the way I out. Did, hey, I, I, hey, guys. Drive safe. Uh, well, Thanks for the ride, lady. Right. Uh, I felt dumb because like. Uh, like I did like want to talk, you know, and aside yeah. from being tired, my voice dog was just fucking gone. Yeah, oh yeah. And like whenever we were trying to talk to, uh, Davey Calabrese, there was a moment where I was speaking to the basis of zombies. My voice dog is just gone. And I felt so, st- and you know, they're playing music. So it's like fucking loud in there. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm sure my breath is kicking just after fucking all of this. Just being alive. Just being alive. Yeah. 
but it was fucking incredible. That's amazing, Don. I'm yeah. I'm sad to hear that you didn't get lifted up onto the stage. No, I did. I did pull myself and take a mouthful of hair at one point. Right, but which is your your dream? Not my dream. Not my dream. Uh, no, that's amazing. So yeah, no. that was Eric Kaufman's territory for this. Are episode. you going to have one of these like every episode? Is uh, that where we're at on this podcast? Uh, what was funny was I was telling Melissa I need to get a pair of motorcycle boots now, so you can be like a punk. So and she was like, "What shirt did you wear to the show?" She was like, "Oh, I'm funny. I'm glad you asked. I'm <laughs> I'm glad you asked, G." Funny, funny that funny, funny that you asked. Funny you should ask. Kiki. Fucking fifteen years ago, I bought this shirt of just like, fifteen years. You st- it still fits? Fuck yeah, it still fits. Fifteen. No exaggeration, doc. You know, like ninth grade, I bought this fucking shirt from House of Mysterious Secrets, which is still running. Of just like a nondescript like vampire. Okay, that's what I'm rocking. And both uh, the singer of the Stellar Corpses and Davy Calabrese they were like awesome T-shirt. Awesome, Doug. I love it. It's the greatest story. It, it, was, it was great. It was, I feel like I just don't do my stories justice. Like my story about Boston, I hope I did justice for that, but uh, it was. Yours are so much better, Doug. E Dog's living the horror punk dream. Oh, no shit. And so she was like, why are you going to fucking buy motorcycle boots? I said, so for the two year, for the twice a year that I go to horror punk shows, Hell yeah. I can have, I can wear the park. This isn't a costume. That's right. It's a fucking lifestyle. That's right. You know, you, next time you see E-Dog, I'm going to be in motorcycle boots, G. In your costume. Okay. In my and way this, of life. Yeah. This is a fucking way of life. Yep. Uh, and that concludes Eric Coffin's Terratunes. Eric Coffin's Terratunes. Fuck you, Eric. Fuck you. And fuck you, Eric. Fuck you. There you go. I had to do that, like, legitimately. There you go. Uh, I love. I like that, like, now I, like, have to, like, do that. Okay. Like, I feel like pressure singing that song. I hope I was in the right that's key. The theme. Beat down did, in did, did, beat down in the did, key of happy. Did Shane and Kayla Eric say fuck Eric? No. Oh, well, that's a no. Shame. They no, should've. they they wanted to know more about you they than they should've. wanted to know about me. They're well, like shame. they were like, so what's Eric really like? I'm like, well, he's a fucking piece of shit. He's a fucking piece of shit who has a hand washing problem. Uh, you know, I may have mentioned that, yes. but we'll have to talk about that uh, off air. Okay. But uh, no, they they were just they they asked a lot of questions about you. Uh, it was funny because while you're talking about music. Forgot to mention, like Shane and I just ended up talking about like our our music roots mm-hmm. uh, for like half the time too. So we were talking about like emo roots and like uh, grindcore and hardcore. I I was shocked. I asked him if he knew who Heavy Heavy Lolo was. Okay, because he was asking about like shows in our town. I actually told him Dana. Nobody cares about this, but uh, Dana was like a promoter in our town. Uh, right. Who's your buddy and you know buddy of mine? I like to think so. And, uh, uh, he got book shows. I was like, yeah, he even got like heavy, heavy Lolo to come. And then I was like, oh, nobody knows who the fuck that is. Like right. I was living like, with lions that he, one time. Yeah. Living with lions. And, uh, to my surprise, Shane saw knew who heavy, heavy Lolo was. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, fear before the March of flames. Yes. Yeah. I'm just trying to think of fucking bands. They, we listen to it. They did. They did not come to Carl's 2002, 2002. Taking back Sunday. Yep. So, All right, uh, that, so that was E-Dog. What, what have you been watching, G? Okay. Uh, well, we can't live that up, but we're just going to keep going. We still have films here. We still got some uh, films. Eric has a lot, but he just talked a lot. So You go, G. Uh, I will do Ready or Not. Oh, you saw it? I saw it. Oh, I'm jealous. So Ready or Not is this film that I kind of heard the title. I knew Sam Weaving was in it. I'm like, okay, like what is it? Kind of didn't care. Kind of just crept up on me. I'm going to interrupt you for one second. Where did you watch it? Roswell. Okay. I did a double feature of Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark and Ready or Not. Awesome. And we'll get to that. Awesome. But let's talk Ready or Not because okay, Ready or Not's it. good. 
I it seemed like everybody loved it. Yeah. So I loved it. Okay. Whole heart. Now here's the problem. Uh oh. Your next exists. Sure. So it's the same film. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's the same fucking movie. Woman fighting off crazy family. Yes. Uh, with nefarious ideas. Okay. But that being said, on its own, this is a fucking blast. Could it be your next two? It absolutely could be. Okay. Um, it's a fucking blast. Okay. Like it's 90 minutes. It's from uh, Radio Silence. And correct? that's what I was going to get to. Okay. So it kind of crept up on me. Kind of didn't care about it. You know, it doesn't happen all that often where like I just don't pay attention to the movie because I'm a fucking insane person. And I'm like, oh yeah, ready or not. Well, let me go see who did it. And it said, uh, it's like Matt Oak. I don't know his actual name. And I was like, is that? And I, Oak hard. I kept scrolling and it was like the, the directing team, Radio Silence. And I was like, holy shit. Right. Like, I don't even want to see scary stories to tell in the dark now. Radio Silence has a film in Roswell that I can go see. Um, I'm a huge fan of Radio Silence. They did the, the last short on v, the first VHS film. Correct. And, uh, but more importantly, cast him down. Cast him down. down. I love that's so good. Duh. Um, they also did a film called Devil's Do, yes. which I actually thought was cool. Everyone I don't know if I ever saw it. Everyone hated it. It's it's a generic as fuck uh, found footage film, but it's cool. Like it's okay. You know, like that other film, The Devil Inside. I may be thinking of that. Devil's Do is like cool, okay, but it's basically just Rosemary's Baby in a modern setting. Okay. Um, spoilers for Devil's Do. Uh, anyways, then they did Southbound. Oh, yeah. And Southbound made my top 10 that year. I absolutely love Southbound. Southbound has some other directors as well, like David Bruckner. But that film is a Radio Silence um, production. I like that David Bruckner. I like David Bruckner as well. So, And then all of a sudden, Ready or Not comes out, and it's directed by Radio Silence. And I'm like, what the fuck? So I go see it. I'll try to explain what it is. Uh, very, very simple plot. Movie starts. There's a wedding happening. Sam Weaving from Mayhem and The Babysitter correct, uh, is being married to someone I don't know who he is, just a man, uh, at this very big mansion. And they're being married. The marriage happens. That's how the film starts. Like, you don't even drive to the mansion. It starts. They're being married. They're married. And there's a lot of, like, I hope you can live up to this family. Like, I, I, I hope that he picked the right person and all this stuff. So our main character is Sam Weaving. She... And then it's kind of like weary about it. And then they go back to their room and they're like, what was that shit? Like your family's kind of weird. And it's like a big joke. And then they're like, well, at midnight we have to like do this. We have this um, tradition that we do where we play a game after a wedding. And she's like, okay, like, are you guys serious? Like kind of making fun of it. And then she realizes they're dead serious. Like we have to play this game. It's a, it's a tradition of our family. So if you're going to be part of this family, you have to do this tradition. She's like, okay. So they go into this room. It's like this this crazy, almost, uh, I say game, like hunting game room with like weapons on the wall and all this stuff. And uh, through that, they, they draw a card out of this box. I'm not going to explain why or what it is. They draw a card out of this box and that picks the game they play. So that's the premise of the film. They pick the card and it's not a spoiler to say. It's hide and go it, seek. Hide and seek. That's what it is. So the film, if you want to think of it in a certain way, is basically a hide-and-seek film. Not really what it is. More so, like, you're next. That's really what you need to think about. So it becomes Sam Weaving running from an insane family trying to kill her in a wedding dress and wearing Converse. And it's a fucking blast. Now, this is not a groundbreaking film. It might have been if something like Your Next didn't exist. But, like, I hate to say it, we've kind of seen this film. 
but this is a really good version of the film we've seen. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to go any further. I, you can kind of guess what happens next, but it has radio silent stuff. You know, it's shot well. It's very cheap. It's a very cheap film. It does. It's not, doesn't not very expensive, but it looks bigger than it's supposed to be. Like a lot of radio silent stuff is, you know, it looks bigger than it is like radio silent stuff always does. It's, it ends up being kind of a chase film, clearly hiding, hide and seek like a chase film. There's layers. You, you know, the characters have different motivations. You find out kind of like you're next. And, uh, I won't say how it ends. Did they write as well? Uh, I believe so. Okay. And so ultimately what it is, like if this film dropped on Netflix, this It'd would be, be fire. A, a hit. I mean, this would be a hit. Um, it's not, again, it's, it's not a very expensive film, so it is very small. You know, it's mostly at this one location at this mansion. Uh, but it's a blast, dude. I mean, Ready, Ready or Not was fucking awesome. I walked out of it like, that was fucking sick. And That's then awesome. I did it back to back, which I'm not going to do it yet, I guess. But I did it back to back with Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark because I hadn't been able to see it yet. Didn't give a flying fuck about that movie. What? Yeah. It was weird. What? I mean, I guess I can do it now, but you have so much you have to talk. But yeah, didn't give a you, shit. Go ahead. I just fucking talked about zombies Scary for Stories to Tell in the Dark by Andre Overdahl. You didn't like it. Bored. Bored. Two hours. I was bored to death. Bored to death. That's okay. not what I was expecting to hear. So if we're going to do it now, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark um, is a book series. May I stop you? Okay. You're about to explain what the book was. Did you read the book as a child? Yes. And that was what I was going to say. Okay, great. Continue. So as a child, um, you know, when I was this young, so let's say elementary, I don't know what age that is, but like third grade. Um, obviously there's a library at your elementary school. And one of my biggest memories from being in elementary school is being terrified of this book that was in our library that kids would always take out and scare everybody with. Oh, look at this. Like the cool kid or whatever. Right. Scary stories to tell in the dark. And so ever since then, I've been like infatuated with this book, these stories. Um, I'm not going to say I'm an expert on them by now, but like things like Harold, I remember very well. The Harold terrified me. Me too. There's one about like something under this kid's bed. It's like a kind of like a telltale heart. There are all the stories are kind of like almost like urban legend stories repurposed for like a kid's book. One of them is about like a hook on a door, if I remember correctly. And that's, you know, obviously like an urban legend just repurposed, but, um, scared the shit out of me. And then of course, as I get older, I find out I had no idea. Every kid across the country had in their elementary school that book. this copy of this book that made no sense. Why the fuck was it in every... I think there's even a documentary, which I, I feel would... like I'm getting creeped out just thinking of it. Yeah. It scared the shit out of me when I was a kid. They're very simple stories that are like, you know, not that long, but get under your skin. Right. It was like it was like 10 to a book or something, maybe. Yeah. And so... And I remember there was a second one, and we read that when we were in elementary school. It used to scare the shit out of me. Again, this is like when I'm in elementary, so I'm not like wholly pumped on being terrified yet. Uh, which I am now, I guess. Can I stop you briefly? Sure. Sorry. We're talking about books that terrified us in elementary school. I found one on vampires one time, and I'm like first, second, third grade, you know, real fucking young. And it's like an anthology of shorts. It was a bunch of short vampire stories. And there was one about a vampire who could open unlocked windows. Did me and uh, please continue. That's terrifying. Though. Yes. Um. Yeah. And, and again, what you're describing is like very simple, scary things, which is like, why that book was for kids. It was very simple. You know, the Herald is a scarecrow, you know, in a cornfield, you know, very easy, scary things. Mm -hmm. 
And so when it was announced, I mean, I want to say like four years ago, Guillermo del Toro was going to produce a film based on the book series, Scary Stories Tell in the Dark. I was very excited by this. Well, fast forward, let's get to it. The film comes out. I don't get to see it for a little while. I finally get to go see it after seeing Ready or Not. And I don't know. I don't know. I just didn't give a fuck about it. There was Is it like Goosebumps where it's like the books come to life or something? Yeah. And I never felt... Um, I really, really, really liked Haunted Halloween. Yeah. Is it like that where it's like just like a bunch of like shit popping no, off at once? No, I mean, the film is trying to be very, very scary. And oh, I was okay. just bored. I was never scared by really? it. Really? Even um, that imagery? No, not even the imagery. I mean, the best part of the film is Harold at the beginning. Uh, there's like a bully and there's like a scene where he like hits Harold in the face with a baseball bat. And he's like, fuck you, Harold. Um, and like all that shit's really cool. But just as it went on, I mean, it's two hours long. That's, and it's, that's this is really surprising. It's me, boring. You say this now. I, I can't wa- wait to see it. I haven't seen it. I want to. I want to leave room. Now I, I double featured it middle of the day. I saw Ready or Not. Left it. Thought it was amazing. And then I saw two hour and ten minute scary stories. Damn, it's that long. And I was bored by it. But it could have been the wrong day, the wrong feeling. I'm not sure. But I wasn't into it. I just wasn't into it at all. And then by the end of it, I was like, "Fuck! I just can't wait for this to be over." But, Jesus. but, well, you know, I do this a lot. I want to be clear. It's not bad. I was bored. I mean, what? I remember sitting there going, you know, I'm fucking bored right now. That Dang. is not good. And there's a funny joke. Like, uh, the theater wasn't full and it, it was like a staggered seating stadium. So like no one's behind you. Cause there's like a wall behind your seats in Roswell. And, uh, <laughs> I want to say Ben told me when I got out, my brother, he's like, you know how I knew you didn't like the movie. He's like, uh, one of my tweets got liked while you were, while you were in the theater. Cause he didn't go with me to this one. And, uh, I saw you liked one of my tweets, me. And he's like, so you must've been on your phone in the theater. I was like, well, maybe for a minute. Damn. So like, that's how much I didn't give a fuck about it. So like, uh, but again, if people like it, that's cool. It's here's what sucks. It's well-made, well-directed, cool. Looks good. I was bored. Looks great. Look, there's a lot of cool stuff. I was bored to death. I think I didn't feel danger or terror. Like I couldn't tell what was, um, the tone was a little weird. Cause at times it would be like really, really fucking scary. and like, fuck you. And like, we're going to kill this kid. And then I'm like, are they dead? Are they just disappeared? Are the kids are going to come back. Right? Did that fool just disappear? I couldn't, I couldn't quite tell hey. what the film was doing. I, I didn't feel danger. For okay. for the for the you didn't feel characters. the stakes exactly. I felt like the stakes. I didn't understand the stakes, and then actually, as the film ended, I'm not going to spoil it, but I was like, wow, like they actually like were okay with like um, bad- child endangerment exactly. And then I was like, okay, cool. But like while the film was happening, I didn't feel those stakes. Okay, um, so it was odd. It was odd. Again, I'm not shitting on it. I just it didn't work for me that day. I actually would would like to see it again because I'm not sure if it was just my mood or what, but November 5th, I was not into scary stories to tell in the dark whatsoever. There's going to be a 4k steelbook at Best Buy. I seen it. Um, I seen it. Didn't give a shit about scary stories. And that is the reason I, I gave the opening part is like, I was really excited for this. Just, I don't know. I don't know. It just didn't work for me. Just didn't give a fuck about it. So that's really odd. So you should use this to say, it, when you get to see Ready or Not, fucking watch that movie. Because that was like, I was like, that was awesome. I can't wait. I can't wait for both of those films. Now, I'm bummed I haven't seen them yet. I don't want to overhype Ready or Not. It's just really cool. You know, right. it's a cool Fun. movie. Yes, blast. But it's not anything new. Ready or Not is nothing new. But it's awesome. Uh, oh, and then one more thing about Ready or Not. Uh, 
as she has in every film she's been in, which is weird because it's like, oh, are you guys just saying that because it's like a girl that's like good looking or whatever? No, like Sam Weaving, if she wasn't the way she is and ready or not, the film almost wouldn't work. She is so charismatic and such a blast to follow. You go with her into the night. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And you just, you want her to survive. You want, she's so, Sam Weaving's fucking amazing. Like, I was like, holy shit, I'm on board for Sam Weaving completely after Ready or Not. Because everything I've did seen her Mayhem? in. I never did see Mayhem. Oh, wow. But the point is. Babysitter's getting a sequel. I know. And now I'm kind of excited because <laughs> of Ready or Not. <gasps> is she going to be in it? I forgot to tell you, duh. Okay, after the you need to talk a couple movies. Okay. I saw Rim of the World. Nice. So we'll talk that. Oh, that the look Keegan just gave me. All right, Eric, let's hear some of your that movies. Look no, just I just wanted me. to profess my love for Sam Weaving because she is And then I guess amazing. Rim of the World's going to get shot on uh later in this episode. Well, we don't know yet. Well, maybe I loved I'm, it. I'm guessing from that look you just maybe gave. Maybe I loved it. All right, now, I've got good Dad, It was directed by McG. What did you expect? Uh, E-Dog's a simple guy, I guess. Okay, now, tell me movies. I've talked forever. I've got some good news. I have a lot you of... You saved some money on your car insurance by switching to Geico? Even better. I have a lot of Larry Fessenden to talk. Thank God. I have a lot of Larry Fessenden to talk. Uh, if you are a regular listener of this pod, then you know of my love of the writer, director, producer, and actor that is the New York native Auteur. Larry Fessenden. Right. And I'm going to start with his most recent film, which came out on Friday, September the 13th. His take on the Frankenstein tell, Depraved. Uh, this film, I'm excited. Now tell me about it. This film starts with, I was very happy to see, uh, the good kid from Super Dark Times and the main, uh, and the protagonist from The Ranger. They are a couple. And at the start of the film, they are discussing what if they had a child, which is obviously the perfect way to open a tale of Frankenstein. This kid uh, quickly has to leave. And I love the way this kid looked. Like, I'm pretty sure Larry Fessenden was like, make that kid look how I looked in 1995. (laughs) So, you know, I love Habit. So I was just like, oh, shit, I'm already like fucking into this. This kid gets fucking knifed. Okay. He gets fucked. He's, he's chopped up. Nah, he's fucking dead. Soon we meet this man who was a uh, medic in like Iraq or Afghanistan. Okay. He was an army medic. And uh, he explains that when he saw all those body parts just littering the battlefield, he had the idea, what if I could put these pieces together and create a man? And that is, of course, what he does. May. Right? So. Yeah. Now, he's got a friend by the name of, uh, like, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Paula Derry. Okay. We're going to go with Paula Derry. And you learn that Paula Derry has stake in this. Okay. In, in the man that they are creating from these dead body parts. You learn that he has created a drug that he wants to soon be able to put on the market. And the way he's going to test this is by giving it to this man that they've just created. Now, you're probably wondering, what the fuck does that kid at the beginning have to do? Well, they're using his brain in the monster's The Frankenstein. Right, exactly. Sorry, Frankenstein's monster. Right, exactly. So, uh, for lack of a better description... 
this is like punk rock Frankenstein. He does cocaine. He wears like a fucking cut off denim jacket. Like, yeah, and fucking like knee high like Doc Martens. Um, eventually it comes to Would a you hand. consider Frankenstein's monster in this film punk as fuck? Yes. Okay. Um, it eventually comes to a point where obviously the monster is not satisfied with who he is. He's not satisfied with who has made him. Thus creates the conflict in the film. Right? Yes. And the final act. He's upset at his creator. Yes. And the final act is like Larry Fessenden like turns up the gothicness. Okay, cool. It's like lightning and hands coming out of graves. Uh, wrought iron fences. It's fucking imagery is fucking fantastic. And on that subject, um, whenever he's learning, whenever his like brain is ticking, it's visualized with these like graphics that seem very psychedelic. It's like different colors. It's like his neurons firing. And that was a really neat uh, aesthetic. Edog didn't walk away loving it. Okay. But I am super stoked to give it another shot. I'm ready to watch this. One thing Larry Fessenden is excellent at is ending films with a sad song. And that's kind of my everything. I love that so much. It's like, I love how he just wants to end on a somber note. And it's like, we're pulling some heartstrings right now, Da. So unfortunately, I didn't love it, but I'm ready to. Yeah. Okay. So that was depraved. Nice. No, uh, I mean, you were super excited about that film. I was. I, I, I need to get into Larry Fessenden. I've you said really this a lot. Do, yeah, I'm aware. So I need to. Okay. So we're going to keep I can this do. Larry Fessenden train going. If that's I want to okay. see Habit. Habit first. is amazing. It's his best yeah. work, in my opinion. It's like hard to get to uh, unless you have that fucking Box set. set. Yeah, and remember, I almost I should have I could have got that set for like twenty bucks when Hastings is going out of business. But I hope you, I hope that's like in your top ten of regrets because one of mine is my biggest regret is the, starting this podcast with because one of mine is the girl I went to prom with. Okay, so and well, never mind. I was gonna say what her name is, but let's not do that. <laughs> let's right. just keep the keep train rolling, train going. Okay, uh, I played through Madame Madan. Okay. Now you're probably asking, what the fuck is Madame Madan? An Xbox One game. Okay, this is a this video is game. This is made by the same people as Until Dawn. Okay, Keegan already knows uh, everything I'm going to say. Yeah, so so we, we're good. Just end the podcast. Okay, good night. Okay, so Madame Madan now. is a video game developed by the people who made Until Dawn. Uh, super massive games. Uh, if you don't know what Until Dawn is, it is a horror game where the action is driven by choices that you have to make. Uh, as a character and quick time events and the choices you make is what alters uh, the story so the gimmick is you know you can play through um, the game multiple times and it's possible to get different outcomes no Hayden Panettiere in this one no what Hayden Panettiere no uh, the star of this is Sean Ashmore yeah and what I thought was really interesting he just was in Quantum Break yes that's crazy Um, like weird that he would make two games where he like mocaps himself can, can I just fucking go off the rails now no Okay, so uh, yeah, go you, off the rails. You, you just brought up Quantum Break. Oh, right? you played Control, didn't you? Control was fucking amazing. I heard it was horrible on the old Xbox, and that's what you played it on. Right? That's what I played it on. And it was yeah. fine. It was funny. Is every time I unpaused it, it like had to catch yeah. up. Yeah, I've heard that. Um, Control's fucking amazing. Control was developed by Remedy Games, uh, and what attracted me to it is the motherfucker who wrote, who wrote Max Payne One and Two, Alan Wake, and Quantum Break. Um, in Control, you play as this girl named Jessie uh, Faden. Pinkman. Faden. 
and uh, you learn that there's this secret government uh, agency called the Federal Bureau of Control, and they study uh, paranormal, paranormal shit. But it's not like ghosts and monsters. It's like you learn that there's like objects called um, uh, objects of power that can create altered world events that can basically open up dimensions to other worlds. Yeah, I heard. I want to play it because the what I've heard is Twin Peaks. That's what I've heard a lot. X Files and Twin Peaks. That's funny you say that because I feel like that's what Alan Wake was. I know, uh, yeah, uh, Twin Peaks ish. So, uh, what was what was crazy about this game is the mobility and um, the like fighting mechanics. Uh, so this girl you play as, she has telekinesis, and eventually you develop the ability to uh, levitate. So being able to like throw shit flow and shoot your gun all in the same time dot was like the most gratifying gameplay experience i've had in a minute i'm currently playing through gears five and it's just like this like luggy ass slog slog right exactly that i just want to jump back into control okay yeah so back of man madan um it's crazy to me that you're like buying these games and i'm playing through them quickly why don't why don't i mean get that, game pass get game pass yeah. you paid 60 dollars for gears five yes Six uh forty dollars for control? It was a sixty dollar game. Sixty dollars so hundred and twenty dollars. Control was thirty. God damn. Man. And then I also You could have paid for two months of Game Pass. And then uh uh Blair Witch as well, which I'm gonna get to. Yeah. Okay, I so have Game Pass, so all those games are on my fucking Game Pass and I haven't played them. So why am I talking about Madame Madan? Because Larry Fessiden wrote uh the screenplay. Um you play as these five friends who are going to go to a um they're going to go uh, diving, underwater diving. There is this like World War II airplane that has crashed that they're going to go and check out. But when they do, um, these pirates, like plain Jane, like Somali pirates, I don't know how to describe them. Sure. Uh, kidnap them. and, uh, and they're Problematic just, pirates. And they're just like out in the fucking ocean, right? And all of a sudden, there's this huge fucking sea liner out of nowhere. And it, the weather's real bad. And so you board it, and it turns out it may or may not be a ghost ship. Haunted. Yeah. Here's what's really fucking cool. I loved it. I thought it was great. Um, there's a multiplayer to this. Um, you can either play online with one person or they have something called, um, uh, movie night where up to two to five people can play and you only need one controller. Like you pass the controller around. That's fucking sick, yeah. And that sounds really fucking cool. Here's where this keeps getting cooler. This is a planned anthology. It's called the Dark Pictures Anthology and they're planning to do seven more of these fucking, uh, games. And there is basically a host. He's called the curator where you reach points in the game where he stops and he talks to you about, um, how you're doing. Kind of like Twilight Zone almost. Right. Exactly. And, uh, I was talking to Dana about it. Dana played through it at the same time I did. And I was like, did you notice how he's in some of the scenes? Dana was like, no, I did it. So I don't know if I'm tripping or if the curator is like telling stories that, you know, that he saw. Um, that would make sense. Um, if anyone's played Half-Life, uh, there's a character in that game. Uh, called uh, the G Man, mm. and he's in several scenes in that game. But he also like talks to you outside the game, and like he's almost like the watcher right. of you. Exactly. Um. So anytime anybody does that, they're they even if they don't know it, they're referencing Half Life Two. Right. And so uh, I finished the game. I liked it. Uh, after the the credits, there's a trailer for the next game. It's called, nice. It's called Little Hope, and Will Poulter uh, is in it. 
Uh, so I thought that that was really wow, cool. That's cool. Yeah. Um, and so anyways, uh, I later saw an article on, uh, Rue Morgue talking about the story in Man of Medan. And I guess there's like some validity to, uh, oh, it's like based on possible real events. Right. And so they offer the idea that what if each one of these dark picture games is going to center around a story that's like, Based Possibly. on some reality. Right, exactly. And if Larry Fessenden keeps writing them, E-Dog's going to keep on playing them. No, that's awesome. I, yeah. I, I, uh, I really want to play both Control and Man of Medan, but I've got like other games I want to play. What, duh, Fortnite? Not Fortnite, duh. Did uh, you give up on Fortnite finally? What fucking game was I playing? Not Wolfenstein, but uh, I forgot. Okay. I started and I don't even remember what it is, duh. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finally wrap up the Fessenden train. Okay. Last night, my mom and I watched the 2013 Larry Fessenden film Beneath about a group of kids who are celebrating their high school graduation by going out onto a lake, getting stuck in their rowboat, and there's a man-eating fish trying to kill them. Fish. Yes, this is just a huge, goofy-looking fish, and that was a problem I had with this film. Why does this fucking fish look so fucking dumb? And also, one thing that I had a problem with was, like, how big is this fucking lake? Like, the film doesn't explain, like, how far they have rode out. So, early on, they get attacked by the fish. They try to use their oars to fight the fish. Well, the, the fucking fish bites and breaks their oars. So, that's why they're stuck. That makes, that's cool. They, in, they give a reason. In the middle of this fucking lake. Right I just remember what game it is, Doc. Metro Exodus. Oh, okay. I have it, and I'm trying to play it, but I never. You're a Metro guy. You've talked to me about Metro. Before. Oh, dude, Metro is so good. Um, so these mother, so these fucking kids, they're stuck in this rowboat with a a giant man eating fish. Yes. Uh, eventually, I've always wanted to see this. This is like oh, you've heard of it. This is when Screen Factory was like getting huge at this. Oh, time. I didn't know you. Oh, because so uh, shout shout put it out. You're 100 percent correct. Yeah, uh, it was it was a chiller film. Yeah, so, I, so I really this is like right when they started putting out um, original films. Oh, okay, like uh, not catalog titles. Um, I'm not saying this is their film, but they were like this is right at the right when they right before they did IFC Midnight stuff. They were right. putting out like films that they acquired. Right. Uh, unfortunately, it never rises above a t- uh, made for TV. Yeah, uh, movie to chiller. Me. Uh, but what was cool was there 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 were moments. Where it kind of gets nasty, where it kind of gets fucked up, and you know me being me, I was like, "Give me fucking more, come on, E dog wants to see that fucked up shit." Your whole house just collapses on us. All the toys just fall down. Um, unfortunately, it doesn't. I didn't care too much for Beneath. Ooh, that sucks. Which bums me out because I've just now of the three Fessenden projects I just talked, I just said two of them I didn't. But they're not all going to be good, right? Hey, Da, you might like it because you like Jaws. Yeah. You yeah, might, I know it was a big li- Jaws homage. You might like a giant man-eating fish movie. The reason I know so, I remember when it came out, he was on Shockwave. Uh, no, uh, Killer POV at the time. Okay. Fessenden was on there talking, promoting Beneath. Oh, wow. So I remember that. So, yeah. Um, I do want to see it. Um, yeah, those games sound great. I mean, I-, I love the idea. I really wanted to play Until Dawn. You should get Man of Medan so we can play together, Doc. Yeah, that'll never happen. But okay, please keep playing. I really want to. Well, we can't even record this podcast together, Doc. But here's the great thing: we don't actually have to be together. You can thank be at God. Home. I can be at home. I know. Wouldn't it be great not to have to see each other in person. Yes. Okay. So E Dog just talked a bunch. Yes, uh, I've Give got me stuff. You got G. So I got the Blu-ray uh, from who the fuck put this out? Scorpion. 
Okay, I'm already interested. Uh the Lucio Fulci film Murder Rock. Oh, okay. Let's talk Murder Rock. So you've seen Murder Rock. I saw I saw Murder Rock. So I saw all them ass <laughs> shots yeah, in Murder yeah. Rock. <clears throat> so let me let me um uh, let me read my notes for Murder Rock. Please. This do. is the best way to explain it. Uh, Great music. Fulci. Ass cinematography. Male gaze. Male gaze. Opening dance scene gonzo style. Stabbing titties. The better Suspiria twenty eighteen. Damn! <laughs> and I, <laughs> you liked it more than Suspiria 2018? I mean, not really, but in a, in a joking way, kinda, cause at least it was like, at least it Silly. knew what it was. Okay. Where, uh, Suspiria, I really liked, um, Suspiria 2018, but, uh, I don't know. I, 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 Murder Rock is a blast. Uh, it's not great, but, uh, more notes here. Okay. I have notes here that I hope don't make me sound horrible. Are all Italian women, let's just say good looking. Okay. Are they all good looking or is it just Fulci casting his type? I mean, what's going on here? I think his notes say fucking fine. Okay, keep going. I did not read that note, but it's close. Uh, oh, and, and this is actually a point. Is this, so this is going to sound like a joke. Okay. Is this what porn was in the 70s and 80s? Like, and the, what I mean by this I think is. they had penetration back then. Yeah, but I'm talking like, you know how people used to buy aerobics tapes? Okay. Because like back then it was more inaccessible. Right. And so then I started to wonder watching this, is that what this is? Is that what like Fulci was really doing and why these were so popular? I get was you. like, not only were they horror films with gore, but like they always had nudity and all this craziness. Sure. Um, so anyways, that's it, just a it fun was a chance to see some titties. Right. And that's a fun just thing to throw out there. But no, Murder Rock. Eric, can you explain what the plot of Murder Rock is? Uh, There's a school. There's a, a gloved, black gloved killer. It's a giallo. And that's about it. And someone is killing off the dance students because... Reasons? Uh, some motivation. But here's the thing. This they, is known someone as... Someone didn't get cast in a play they wanted to maybe or something? Suspiria 2018. Okay. Uh, this is Fulci's... This is known as Fulci's dance musical. Okay. And I was I was frustrated that there wasn't musical aspects to it. Like they didn't sing. Right. But uh, it's more of like a dance academy. Uh, and there's musical numbers, but they, it's not, it's just them practicing for like the music. Um, so I was a little disappointed by that, but, uh, yeah, it's just a fucking dumb, fun movie. Um, okay. the only thing I was really disappointed by was Fulci, it being Fulci. Not enough gore. I, exactly. This, it's the same kill every time. Right. Stabbing the titty. Uh, you said it best. Um, Stabbing with the like titty. a needle. Right. That was it. Mm-hmm. And I was just kind of like, huh, like that's pretty odd from Fulci. There was no creativity other than it was the same kill over and over and over again. I was kind of like, oh, okay, I guess that's the whole film. And that was it. Right. Uh, but it's fun. Like if you want to watch Fulci at its like almost. Not I, his best, but fun. A, a, a kind of unhinged uh, filmmaking. Um, Murder Rock is fun. Right. Uh, allow E-Dog to follow that up with allow the Psychic. E-Dog. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, the Psychic came, dropped the same uh, day uh, on Blue, uh, also from Scorpion. Uh, and these were two Fulci films I had never uh, seen before. Right. Um, of the two films, uh, in my opinion, The Psychic was far really better, much much better. Yeah, it's about a woman who Murder can- Rock is almost like a joke film. Like I hate to put it in those respects, but it's like kind of a joke. Um, but the- if you like Fulci, it's fun. Yeah, I mean that's why we watched these movies because they're yeah. fucking Fulci. Absolutely. Um, it was exciting for me because there were Fulci films I had never seen. Um. I would go as far as to say um, all of these recent Fulci films 
that have had a Blu-ray release within the last, you know, five or so years, such as, you know, uh, The Devil's Honey, uh, Lizard in a Woman's Skin, Manhattan Baby. I actually like The Psychic the most. Wow. I re- That's I really, crazy. I really, really liked it. It's about a woman who can see when a murder is going to happen, and she soon sees her own. So okay. she has to, what can she do to uh, stop it? Um, but that isn't immediately evident to her. At first, she just thinks it's another murder, but then she soon pieces together, oh, shit, it's me that's being uh, murdered. Um, Are there good kills in it? Is there folksy violence? No, the violence isn't really there. I just thought it was like a solid, like, mystery tell. Like a thriller? Like, even, like, suspenseful scenes, there's, like, a scene where she's being chased by who she thinks is the killer, and I was like, holy fuck. Like, I was surprised at, like, this is going to sound stupid, and like how well done it was and how attentive I was being in the moment of uh, this particular scene where she's running from the killer. Which is pretty rare for you. Um, fuck you, duh. Um, I really liked it. It was really good. Like, you know, I feel like we watch Fulci films for the violence, um, you know, for the gore, for the far out scenes of where a fucking zombie wrestles a shark. And the psych is, is like, if you like, like fucking Gylo, like... Holy shit, like this is a You're solid all set, ass yeah. film. Yeah. Uh, I really, really like the psychic. Yeah, um, I've always wanted to see that. I mean, I want to see, you know, I'm I'm newer to Fulci than you are Fulci than you are, but uh, I want to see all his films just because he's such an interesting What's the deal filmmaker. with this documentary that's coming out? It's called Fulci for Fake. It's like just I don't know. A, have you not heard of it? I this? haven't heard of it. Okay, so yeah, so there's this new documentary coming out uh called Fulci for Fake. And I guess it's just about his life as a filmmaker, but what's weird is like uh it's like actors you know like they've got somebody playing uh fulci i'll Hmm. send you a link that sounds crazy yeah um yeah he uh you know all of his films are like interesting to watch just because of the things that he made like obviously new york ripper just came out with the 4k scan yes um and uh the beyond um zombie zombie 2 whatever um just those films flesh eaters those films are so good and crazy and then it's weird to see like murder rock right like what the fuck is this um i'm real excited for wax mask yeah uh, that sounds a, dope this is a new film from severin uh i i want to say dario wrote i'm not 100 percent sure argento and i guess he went to fulci and he was like hey will you direct this movie for me but yeah. it was already when he was sick and he passed away before uh he had the opportunity so i'm super interested in and i'm not sure who directed it but i'm super interested in just seeing it just because you know dario had fulci in mind for you think, you think it'll be as good as Zombie 3? I really, really like Zombie 3. Yeah, me too. Uh, okay, so that, that was the psychic. That was the psychic. And Murder yes. Rock, basically. That was the psychic and Murder Rock, yes. Um, you want me to do another one? Sure, I'll keep going. So I watched, uh, for the first time, I'd, I you know, I'd always seen this film, like images and stuff, but I'd never really like sat down and watched it. And this was actually, uh, 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 this was a recommendation by my brother's wife, Sabra. Hello, Sabra. Uh, Firestarter. Okay. So like, I had never like Stephen King. Yeah, I know Firestarter. I know the story. I get it. But it was like we had just watched. We had finished Stranger Things three together, and then we're like, oh, we should finally watch Firestarter because very similar concept. Eleven Firestarter, same thing. You know what Firestarter is? I'm with you. Um, little girl can move things with her mind. Basically, that's Firestarter. And uh, yeah, it was exactly what I thought. And it was pretty good. I don't have a lot to say about Firestarter. How did you watch it? Doesn't it have a Scream Factory blue? It does, but we just rented it like VOD. Okay. Um, like Voodoo or something. And the one thing I did want to say about it was this is like fake 
um, Dean Cundy and John Carpenter. It's not directed by John Carpenter. It's not shot by Dean Cundy, but it looks very similar. It's like they were trying to ape like Christine or like um, a lot of these films at this time, Escape from New York or like just like his look. It, so in a way, it looks good. Like it's it's a good looking film. It looks like fake Carpenter and Dean Cundy. And so I liked it for that. Uh, Drew Barrymore is the little girl in it. Is it anybody notable who directed? Uh, I don't think so. It is, let's see here, Mark Lester. I'm afraid I don't know who that is. Lester, the... Just kidding. Uh, yeah, Mark Lester. I don't know what else he's done. It looks like a bunch of trash. Uh, okay. Sinbad and the Minotaur. So, okay. Um, it. But anyways, Firestarter. You know, I'd never seen it, and it was just a film that I'd seen over the last couple months. And uh, it's a cool companion piece to Stranger Things. Um, you know, government agents trying to, like, find... You know, a little girl that, that can move cool. things in their minds. Yeah, it's it's good. Um, again, it has that 80s Carpenter aesthetic, which is funny because not directed by him. has nothing to do with him. But it's Stephen King, and I liked it. Um, not a lot to say about it, but Firestarter. It's good enough to watch. Uh, yeah, that's about it for Firestarter. You probably need to do a couple more because you've got a lot. Okay, I'll, I'll do some recent films. Okay. Uh, I'm going to start with Tigers Are Not Afraid. I, I really want to see this. Uh, Tigers Are Not Afraid is fucking amazing. Um, I guess this is a film that's been out for a couple years, but it just finally had its American release through Shudder. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's how I watched it. Uh, I'm going to mispronounce her name, of course. It was written and directed by a woman by the name of Issa Lopez. And the entire time I was watching it, I couldn't help but think of uh, Del Toro's The Devil's Backbone because it's exactly the same idea of what The Devil's Backbone is. It is a scary Spanish-speaking fairy tale that's grounded in some type of reality um in this case it's about these like four or five kids like young as fuck like four years old uh that live on the streets in mexico they have all been orphaned uh because their parents have been killed by the cartel so it's just these young ass fucking kids uh trying to survive on these you know dangerous ass fucking streets and one of them has three magic wishes but every single time she makes one something really bad um the classic wish happens problem right um, so it's just, it's the story that follows these kids who are just, uh, trying to survive. Um, one of the reasons I probably loved it so much was, uh, credits are rolling at like 81 minutes into it. Nice. Nice. Um, it's fucking incredible, dude. Like I was, is it bloody or I feel like I've it's, heard it's, 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 I'm glad you asked because we obviously have a difference, uh, a different opinion on what bloody violence is. Yeah. Um, it's not bloody, but it is violent. Okay. Um, there were some pretty shocking moments and I was surprised at like where, uh, these characters were taken and how much I just fucking cared for them. I strongly urge you to watch Tigers Are Not Afraid. I'm going to. Uh, I'm gonna keep it going with, uh, another movie that is available, uh, exclusive to Shudder, Knife Plus Heart. This movie is also fucking incredible. Really? I'm pretty sure Knife Plus Heart and Tigers Are Not Afraid are going to be making my list at the end of the year. Knife Plus Heart is fucking incredible. It's a French gylo about a man who is... This year? Released this year? Well, to shudder. Yeah. I'm not too so sure. So it's like the first American release. Correct. Okay. It's fucking incredible. It's about a man who is killing homosexual pornography actors and like the same production crew. Um, so, you know, it's a whodunit and it's just so fucking well done. Just like in terms of like, it like hits all the staples of, you know, like a good, I'm going to say Argento Gilo, such as, uh, the lighting. Um, and then just like what he uses as a fucking weapon was like shocking to me. Like the first two kills, I'm pretty sure my jaw just like dropped from like, holy fuck. 
it's incredible, Da. Okay. That's another one I strongly urge you to watch. And that um, is? Knife Plus Heart. Okay, um, on Shudder. Uh, available on Shudder. I don't have this on my list, but I recently revisited Cruising uh, because Arrow put it out. This is the William Friedkin film yeah. where Al Pacino plays an undercover police officer who is hunting a serial killer who is killing homosexual men. So he goes into these uh, gay bars in order to try to be picked up by him and stop him. Mm-hmm. Um, I did. I watched them at separate times, but man, they would do. They would make a fantastic double feature. Uh, also recent one. That, I, that was cruising. That was cruising. Okay, okay. And uh, another one that I got on here of, of a recent film is uh, Satanic Panic. Uh, this was a film that just dropped, and I was interested because at one point Ted Geo Ted Geo Gagan was supposed to direct. Uh, he does have a writing credit. Um, it's about uh, this girl who is a um, pizza delivery girl. And she goes and she delivers to this house who just so happens to be doing a satanic ritual and they need a virgin. So hence 90 minutes of her trying to run away. Um, you mean the babysitter? You know what? The babysitter was better. I, 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 <laughs> I like fucking Mick G. And after this, you're going to talk uh, the rim of the world. Um, satanic panic is definitely comedy first. Um, but there is like cool, you know, like satanic, like ritual shit stuff in it. There's actually some fun gore. But uh, I'm afraid I wasn't won over by Satanic Panic. Huh, okay. Yeah, that was a big like release recently. Like A lot of horror fans are watching that movie. Yeah. That and Candy Corn. But I'm saving Candy Corn for... Does Candy Corn Halloween. have a VOD release? It's out right now, I believe. Okay. But, I think I saw Shane post it on yeah, Instagram or something. But uh, I watched the trailer and it's very Halloween driven. So I'm like, oh, I'll just wait. Okay. Um. Okay, so Rim of the World. Yeah, I want to hear your rim of the world now. <clears throat> so last week or last episode, six months ago, yes, Eric uh, reviewed the McGee Netflix film Rim of the World, and just to put this out there real quick, I loved it. Yeah, Eric okay. loved it, and he was very gushing about it, and couldn't wait for me to see it. Yes, and I'm not here to like crush your dreams or like I'm not doing it on purpose. I okay. mean, trust you hated me. It. I go into every film hoping it's the greatest film I've ever seen. Me too. Like I've 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 gone into films I thought oh this is going to suck and like that's good if I'm wrong. Like that's good. So like I don't do it on purpose, but like yeah, I just did not give a shit. Tell me what turned about you off. I mean, I, I was loving well, the first kids. Of all, I was loving the monsters. You, you don't know this. So I talked to Ben about it. I watched it with Ben. Ben okay. hated it as well. Really? Um, okay. And I talked to Ben. I think Log Lady said she liked it. Okay. okay. Well, shout, so out, shout out to Logan. So it's two Logan versus two right now. Okay. Okay. So, um, well, first of all, the first thing that turned me off is is uh, there's a lot of Vine uh, actors in the film, like King Batch. Okay, I didn't and know people this. like that. Right. Which I told Ben. I said, well, he doesn't know that. Like Eric doesn't know who they are. And uh, so there's a bunch of like Vine actors, like, like YouTube actors. No, like most of the counselors are all like Vine YouTube stars. Okay, gotcha. And so I was like, okay, well, fuck these people. And then. Um, it would. I don't know. I don't know. Like, I don't want to be a dick. I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer, like a shithead. It's just speak your truth, duh. I just like the kid. I thought the kids it's okay were for us to have different opinions. I thought the kids were terrible, except for the um the one that we don't know if she speaks English at first. Okay, I thought she's great. She has a good performance. Everyone else is like in some other movie or like some. Honestly, in you didn't a f- like the silly kid. No, I love they're, the silly they're kid. A fa- it's a fake Michael Bay film. Because that's what McGee is, a fake Michael Bay. Interesting. And, interesting uh, dis- description. Yeah. I mean, it's basically, you know, it's like the kids are like making like offensive jokes, but like not funny ones, like just stupid offensive jokes. I didn't, I didn't give a fuck about. And like, 
I don't know. And then like the monsters, like obviously bad CG, which a lot of times we can overcome, but like, and then like bad, like the film looked bad. Like it would, they would like put like a filter on it to like make it look bigger than it was. And like, I was just fucking over it. You didn't and, feel the clover filledness. You know, I kept waiting. Cause you, you were very, uh, you said it was like Cloverfield mixed with like stranger things or like, you mm-hmm. know, the end of the world. And I just didn't, I don't know, maybe because yeah. the CG was bad. I'm not sure. I, I guess the scene I'm thinking of specifically in Cloverfield is like, there's a part where they're sort of early in the film, they're walking down the street and all of a sudden like a missile just like launches yeah. over their head. And all of a sudden the military is just fighting. Yeah. Uh, Clovy. And that was cool. There's a moment in that where like the army is there and that's what, yeah. And the scene I was thinking, you know, I got excited cause I'm like, okay, well maybe it'll turn up. But ultimately I just didn't like the characters or the actors playing those kids. Mm. Like the main kid I thought was like, you know, again, no disrespect to that actor. I don't know, but like he just wasn't. It felt like he was like being told like act weird, and then okay. he's like, "I'm acting weird." Like act like an outcast. I'm acting like an outcast. Like it's just like I don't know. I was over it from the beginning, and wow. and I just thought like I don't know. It was like a fake film to me. Like the okay, That's how you describe <laughs> McG? Yeah, uh, I have. Oh, I thought I had fucking notes for this. Uh, looks like I don't. So, um. Yeah, it just felt like fake Michael Bay, fake Netflix film to like put out and like catch the right demographic. E-dog. Like, oh, let's capitalize off Stranger Things and like make an FX style, like the, 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 the network FX. I'm with you. Like style film that's like digestible and not good. And. I just didn't give a shit about it. So I don't come here to like hate movies, but I fucking hated Rim of the World. Wow. Yeah. What are you giving it on Letterboxd? One and a half? Oh, uh, I would give it a one. I mean, I didn't like it. Okay. I mean, it was fine. It's not, not the worst movie ever, but I just thought it was like actively abrasive characters, like abrasive tone. Like it felt like Michael Bay, but like worse. Like wow. Michael Bay makes like, um, crowd pleasing stylish films that like I don't really like. This is like, a bad version of that, which is really bad. So, you know, not the worst movie ever. I just was not for me at all. And I, you know, I started it and I, you know, I told Ben, I was like, yeah, Eric really liked this. So like, let's check it out. So like, I didn't go in saying like, fuck McG. Uh, in fact, like the babysitter. Oh, so another comment I have is like, while I didn't exactly love the babysitter, that movie's like 30 times better than fucking rim of the world. Oh wow! Like, that's a movie. And this I felt was like a fake demographic pleasing, like fake Michael Bay film that I just didn't like. Uh, a dog remains in the minority. Yeah. With uh, rim of the world, uh, the babysitter and Terminator for salvation. I mean the babysitter. I liked when I saw it. Like I just didn't. Yeah. Rim of the world was just like, I don't know. I didn't like the tone. I didn't like the kids. I didn't like the jokes. Okay. I was over it. And then I didn't like the vine and YouTube actors, but that's just cause I fucking hate that. Like fake actors in a fake film with a fake director with a fake plot. Damn. And that was Room of the World on Netflix. Available now if you want to check that out. Yep. Uh, Half Ghoul Squad approved. Yeah. No shit. One thumbs up. So uh, do you want to do more or do you want me to keep going or what do you want me to do? I only have two more things. Why don't you finish and then I'll I'll quickly go down my list. Okay. Sure. We can both talk this a little bit. Okay. Um, so I finally saw it's not really horror. And I actually don't know how to talk about it because the film is based around surprises. So maybe we... Tell me what it is. I'll talk it. Well, no. I mean, I don't want to spoil it. Uh, get around spoilers. Bad times at the El Royale. 
Oh, wow. Finally saw it. Finally saw it. Took me forever. Drew Goddard. Yes. Um, We love him. He's uh, in the family of JJ, Matt Reeves, Drew Goddard, wrote Cloverfield, directed Cabin in the Woods. Correct. This is a film that I was dying to see, didn't get to see in theater, and then ultimately just kept delaying seeing it because I wanted to see it so bad. I have have problems. I wish to revisit. Yeah. Because I didn't think much of it uh, when I saw it theatrically. So, and then, you know, clicking play on it, as soon as it started, I was like- How did you watch it? Uh, watched it on Voodoo. Okay. Actually, yeah, Voodoo. Okay. And I was pissed immediately because as soon as it started, I said, fuck, I should have saw this in theater. Okay. Um, the whole opening, so Bad Times at the El Royale, you want to explain it at all? I mean, it's a long time ago. It's okay. You go. You know, obviously, Bad Times at the El Royale, directed by Drew Goddard. The film takes place uh, on the border. It's a hotel that is right smack dab in the border of Nevada and California. And there's a casino on the on the Nevada side. California is all like about the pool and like um, sunny rooms. And Nevada side's like dark and seedy. Um, and that's ultimately kind of like not what the film is really about at all. And you have several characters that come in that are uh, very specific type archetypal characters, very similar to like a Tarantino film. Like you have a priest that doesn't seem like he's a priest. Uh, you have a a uh, singer that wants to be famous. You have, <laughs> um, did you watch this by yourself or with, ben? I watched this with Ben. Okay. And you know, uh, you have a person that might be a government agent, but we don't know if he's telling the truth, but at first he says he's a vacuum salesman. Um, so you have all these mysterious Dakota Johnson. Um, you have all these mysterious characters that sort of come together for this like ensemble film. And really it's like a mystery. What's going on here? Who are these people? There may be a murderer. There may be a murder mystery happening. Uh, but that's not immediately clear at the beginning. And then shit pops off very similar to Tarantino or more like a Coen brothers film. And I loved it. And I fucking loved it. That uh, was the, far too long. Yeah. I mean, it's too long, but the film, this is a film made for me. I mean, I just said Tarantino Coen brothers, like, a simple plan. Yeah, yeah, pretty much made for me. Um, and so I just really liked it. Great acting, Jeff Bridges, um, Dakota Johnson. It, it's, I really, really liked this. Having said that, oh, I think I already said this. I want to revisit. Yeah, I mean, what I was going to say was I wish I saw it in theater because the opening scene uh, takes place from this, this wide angle. Um, and it's somebody walking into a hotel room and then you sit on this wide angle while this person buries a bag uh, under the floorboards of this room. And uh, it a lot of the film plays out and is shot like a stage play. And I thought, wow, this would have been really cool on the big screen. So I've, I feel like an idiot for not seeing it on the big screen. But um, not really horror, but does sort of devolve into possible Manson-type vibes. And that is Bad Times at the El Royale. And I really liked it. I liked where it went. I figured it out, uh, but I will talk more about it off because I don't want to spoil the film. But I kind of figured it out because I thought, hmm, Chris Hemsworth is in this. I wonder who he's playing. And that's about all. Somebody good looking. Yes, exactly. So uh, that is Bad Times at the El Royale. A film made for me, but yeah, make sure you're awake because this is a long one, uh, you know, a very mysterious. You know what it reminded me of? Tell me, G. The John Cusack film identity i've never seen it and i remember when we were like in school you'd always be like da watch identity yep da watch identity identity is awesome i never did very similar to To this film 
bad times at the El Royale. And you want me to you want me to do my last one? Sure, Doc. Keep, unless you want me to do some more. Nah, two more things. You can just rattle your shit off. I'll just rattle it off. <laughs> just, I'm just <laughs> rattling along. Uh, rewatched uh, Brightburn. Oh, okay. And, uh, me really too. liked it. Um, I it played better for me a second time, but ultimately it's still a bit of a shoulder shrug. Yeah, I mean the film sort of is in, is an intentional shoulder shrug because your main character is um unlikable exactly so it's a tough film but uh i just like the mean spiritedness i like the what it's reaching for i like the violence and i like how short it is i like to go so, I, I like the outgo so the only other thing i have is simply uh house of a thousand corpses okay Rewatched it last night and uh you know i hadn't seen this film in a while um you know i, I watched this back to back with devil's rejects probably like eight years ago a while ago and uh, Devil's Rejects is so clearly one of the greatest films of the, our era. I consider that kind of our era. That's um, fair you to know, say. The torture porn era, the Lionsgate, fucking mean-spirited, Alex Aja, um, Hillside Eli Roth. Yeah, Eli Roth, uh, Rob Zombie. Um, 100% agree. James Wan, Saw. Neil I mean, Marshall. Neil Marshall, that's great. Um, this whole era is sort of my favorite era in horror. horror. Now, if you're older than us, you're probably thinking... You know, well, the 80s is the best. Yes, it is. I mean, those are my favorite movies. But we grew up into, like, horror. Um, obviously, found out about horror because of things like Halloween and Friday the 13th. I remember going to Hastings and seeing Hostel, like, on a, like having just came out on DVD. Yeah. And there just being, like, a full wall Hostel, like, yeah. available to rent and being like, what is this? Yeah. I mean, I'll never forget when, like, things like Hostel came out or Saw. I mean, I saw Saw in theater when I was way too young to I, see it. I remember one night, Doc. You taking high tension like off the wall and you being like, you should watch this. Really? Yeah. And flash forward, we just watched Crawl by Aja. I mean, Mm -hmm. I clearly have a love for this era. I think you let me borrow high tension. Probably. I want to say, did you let me borrow Cabin Fever? Probably. I remember those were two. Did it have the lenticular slipcover? Because I had the one with the lenticular slipcover. I can't remember that. Okay. But I remember somebody let me borrow those films and I remember being like, damn it. Why didn't I just buy these movies? Yeah. Now I have to give them back. Yeah, they're they're so good. And so the reason I bring this up is House of Thousand Corpses is in that era, but I never did feel like this is like a great, great film. I think this is an interesting, cool Rob Zombie movie. It's like a kooky fun movie. Yeah. Ultimately, his masterpiece will always be The Devil's Rejects. I mean, that'll never be surpassed. But we have Sid Haig passed. Three from Hell is coming out soon. So uh, we sat down. I watched it with my brother and his wife. Okay. Have, uh, have they seen it? Ben had, Saber hadn't. Okay. Tiny and, fuck uh, to stump. Yeah. It was quite uh, an experience to watch through uh, Saber's eyes, eyes, who's not, you know, she likes horror, but it's House of Thousand Corpses. Okay. And um, yeah, I mean, this film is, I don't know how to say, you know, I was talking to my brother about it today. I was like, I want to say I love House of Thousand Corpses, yes. but it's not exactly my thing because of how... Um, you know how he has all these edits and all this like music and how it's like more of, it's almost like, it's a, like mu- a montage at some point. It's like a music video at times. Yes. And so I don't ultimately love all of those aspects, but when it gets going, I did have one comment I wanted to make to you about it. At the okay. end of the film, uh, two characters are in bunny suits and they're put in a coffin and lowered into a mine shaft uh, mm-hmm. towards Dr. Satan. Yes. And when they do this, Dr. Satan, Dr. Satan, when they get to the bottom, uh, like these like beings come out of the water and like rip the coffin apart and try to like grab them. Yes. And I was like, Oh shit. 
I guess I never realized how influenced some of this film is by Fulci. Mm. All of a sudden, I was like, this is like the beyond. This is like zombie flesh eaters. This is like um, Fulci at times. You know, the whole Dr. Satan scene, some of the imagery, um, the way it's dreamlike. A lot of that film is dreamlike, which reminds me a lot of Italian cinema. So then I was like, wow, a lot of this is kind of Fulci-esque. Um, and some Argento. So I was like, wow, this is cool. And the colors in Argento. Um, again, ultimately not my favorite film of this era, but but a great fun ride, especially the beginnings with Sid Haig. Uh, mm, Rain so Wilson's good. in it. Like you said, Dr. Satan, when they come out. Um, Chris Hardwick? Is that who that is? It's not Chris Hardwick, not to my knowledge. But Go ahead, Doc. Keep talking. Anyways, um, a fun film that just turns into a fucking mess. Uh, and I like it. So House of a Thousand Corpses, again, not Rob Zombie's best film, but uh, a blast of this era that... Um, Walton Goggins is in it? Yeah, Walton Goggins is young as fuck in it. That's Chris Hardwick, duh. Is that Chris Hardwick? Yeah. Holy shit, I had no idea. You know, the merman or things that come to mind. I remember when I was young and this came out, I thought that was like so crazy and scary is it dr satan who's chasing them at the end and he like takes off his like mouthpiece and he like, spits like all that pus. stuff yeah it's not dr satan it's like dr satan's minion okay it's like and he's this, got like an axe yes and all that stuff is just like out of control mm-hmm. a little bit <laughs> but uh it's good ultimately a blast of a film and, and one of my favorite endings uh in horror uh she crawls out of like the grave and then like goes to the road and um i mean spoilers but uh Captain Spaulding picks her up. And we think Captain Spaulding might be a good guy. Right. Um, so anyways, that was House of a Thousand Corpses. Uh, a fun ride through that era. I mean, that film was so seminal. It was a big deal at that time. And it was weird looking back on it. I hate to keep going. But like that film was originally a Universal Pictures film. And then it just like sit on the shelf for a minute? Well, they were like all about it, I guess. And um, they were like fully on board with it. And he even asked for money for reshoots to do some pickups. And they gave him more money to like finish the film. He went and finished it. Apparently they went into a screening with like the execs and like they walked out and he's like, yeah, so like that was my movie. Like, you know, he just, everything was fine up until that point. And one of the execs came up and was like, yeah, we're not putting this movie out. And he's like, what? They're like, yeah, this movie will never come out. And he's like, what the fuck? And then that's when it kind of sat and and our or the king of our of this era, Lionsgate, mm. bought it. And then they put out uh Devil's Rejects after that. And uh it's just funny because knowing that now, uh the whole first film, House of a Thousand Corpses, is shot on the Universal Backlot. Oh wow. That film, that fucked up film with the Merman and Dr. Satan and all that shit was shot at Universal Studios in Hollywood. So, uh, anyways, House of a Thousand Corpses. What a fun film. We're going to rewatch Devil's Rejects soon to get ready for Three from Hell. and uh, uh, October 15th on Blue. Yeah, I, I pre-ordered the 4K on Amazon, nineteen ninety nine. dollars awesome. a 4K. I got to do the same for the Blue. So, I'm very excited for that. Uh, mixed reviews on that. We'll see how that goes. Yeah, I had an opportunity to go last week, but I did not take it. That was a big mistake, though. And, and I think that concludes all the films that I had. All right, E-Dog's just going to take it off through this list. I'm not going to spend too much time on these films. Uh, for my birthday, I got a couple uh, films. From, uh, we, hopefully, this is enough films for you guys. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, Eric. Uh, I got a couple Arrow releases. Uh, one is called The Horror Express, and the other is The Chill Factor. 
Horror Express, I believe, is the second adaptation of the uh, story Who Goes There, which, of course, was used for John Carpenter's uh, The Thing. It's the exact same premise. Uh, this starred um, Peter Cushing, and um, he's another huge Hammer Horror guy. Vincent Price? Peter Cushing, Vincent Price, and... Give me one second, guys. Sorry. We're going to leave this in, because at this point, we're almost three hours into this fucking episode. Christopher Lee. Oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, we're, that's how bad our brains are mush. Yeah. Um, they are traveling on a train. There is some strange cargo. Turns out it's a monster being thing that can jump from person to person. And Never Peter, heard of that. Oh, because you said the thing. It's a joke. Go ahead. Oh. Well, like I said, it's it's an adaptation of the story. Of the same story. Uh, who goes there? Um, and they set out to try to stop it. Uh, it was cool. I dig it. I know nothing about like hammer the 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 genre hammer, the hammer genre, uh, is definitely like a blind spot in my horror knowledge. Um, but I definitely dug this. It was cool. Yeah, blind spot for me too. I've always wanted to get into Hammer, but just never have. Um, um, Scream Factory is releasing a movie called The Devil Rides Out uh, in October. And I only know it because the bloodsucking zombies from outer space have a song about it. And so like, I'm, I've got it pre-ordered. I'm excited for that. Uh, so maybe I'll have just an inch more hammer knowledge after that. Um, another film I watched was the chill factor. Uh, this is a shot on video nineties, um, horror film about a group of kids who decide to go, uh, snowmobile racing, but the weather conditions are super shitty and one of them gets in an accident. And the only choice that they have is there's this, uh, run down creepy ass church slash campground where they're going to go, um, take the injured individual. And of course one of them opens a book or reads a passage or something. And, uh, I thought it was going to become like evil dead in the snow, but it's not. It's more like a possession film in the snow. It's not a very good film. But there's some good violence. There's some good like sexual stuff. It like there's some good jump scares. Um, it, it, it freaked me out and it got me horny. Uh, I dug it. Uh, I'm gonna keep what, on going. What made you get those? Why'd you get those? Oh, so my brother was like, "What do you want for your birthday?" And I gave him just a list of blues. And I was like, pick one. And those are the two he got me. Nice. Okay. Um, that was the chill factor. That was the chill factor. Uh, it scared me and it got me horny. So it's a strong recommendation for me. That's a thumbs up from Eric. Yes. I'm going to keep it going with, I'm not going to talk about this film. I'm just going to simply say that I rewatched The Nun. And I kind of liked it that time. Um, Were you still as excited about like when The Nun gets like hung from like the... Uh... It wasn't as cool. Ah, uh, that sucks. Yeah. That, that's my favorite part of the movie is like all that imagery. What right. about the graveyard scene? The gothic scene? imagery. Oh, yeah. Well, that's still cool. I okay. always like that. Okay. Uh, Scream Resurrection. This was a three-night event on MTV. Uh, that was it, on VH1. One of the two, duh. It doesn't matter because it's fucking Some Viacom shit. property. It's a fucking piece of shit, but it was exciting because it was the return of the actual image of Ghostface as well as Roger Federer. No. <laughs> the, guy, <laughs> the guy who voices Ghostface. Um, this was utter garbage talk i <laughs> okay. fucking hated it when okay. eric doesn't like something that means it actually sucks okay you know how like in 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 like scream like maybe in one of the films he'd be like i want to see what your insides look like yeah. and he's like referring to like literally like i'm gonna cut you open i'm gonna so, gut you like a fish so so in this series 
the main character has a secret and he keeps saying that but it's in reference to like what is your dark little secret i want to see your in and i'm just like this is fucking really bad i fucking hated it uh next thing i got on my list is vice squad this yeah. is a recent uh re- uh scream factory uh blue re- release i wouldn't call this horror but this was fucking amazing um it's about this woman who is a prostitute um and her one of her best friends is murdered by this crazy ass fucking pimp named Ramrod. <laughs> so Team Ramrod. Uh Ramrod's crazy. He beats this woman with a pimp stick, which according to the film is a clothes hanger like folded over, and then he beats this woman until he kills her with it. Right. Using the film's vocabulary, not your own. Right. So yeah. uh the Vice Squad is a group of uh like plain clothes police officers who try to vigilantes no not vigilantes you know they're you know they they do have a badge they just don't wear it uh to try to stop uh prostituted prostitution and related activities uh so they go to this woman and they say hey ramrod kill your best friend will you please um help us try to stop ramrod she agrees they take ramrod down so they think ramrod escapes she goes out to work again more that night and Ramrod's on the loose looking for her. Uh, what's great about this dot is it's just like, this film is just covered in sleaze. Nice. Like, it's just a grimy ass, like. Right up your alley. Oh, uh, it's right up my butt is what it is. Is how fucking sleazy this fucking film was. Uh, I fucking, I, I actually wanted it to be more sleazy. But I really appreciated the griminess. Of I've this I've always film. needed to see Vice Squad die. I still need to see it. I never fucking heard of it. Really? Until Scream Factory uh, was going to put it out. Yeah, Edoc's keeping it going with the ninth configuration. This was the first film and only one of two films that he ever directed by William Peter Blatty, who mm-hmm. of course we know wrote the Exorcist novel. Yep. Uh, the ninth and configuration. And his son uh, wrote Final Girls. No, no, no. The man who played Father Karras. Oh, I was close. Uh, yeah, I got you. And the exorcist. His son wrote the final girls. Yep. The ninth configuration is fucking amazing. You learn that uh, there are groups of men who have developed a psychosis while serving time in uh, Vietnam. And so what the government has done has put up these, for lack of a better description, halfway houses for these men to live in. And this film centers around... a. Um, a halfway house that's a bit more experimental uh, than the others. And it's this giant fucking castle. Anyways, when the film starts, a new uh, therapist has just been assigned to work with this group of men. And he wholeheartedly believes there is a God, there is an afterlife. And one of his patients is the exact opposite. Um, there's a part where he says he believes in the devil, but he doesn't believe in God. And the entire uh, duration of the film is about them trying to prove to the other their beliefs. And it's fucking excellent. It's not scary. It's just this... Um, like exploration on belief, basically. Uh, um, of religion. Yes. Yeah. And I Sounds absolutely right loved up my it. alley. I absolutely loved it. Uh, next thing I got is the Blair Witch video game. Yeah. I'll run through this real quick. This is a first-person game. Coming from someone that didn't like the last film. This is true. I did not like the and I did. 2016 Blair Witch. Uh, this takes place two years after the event of the first film. So this is 1996. You play as this police officer who has a very checkered past that the film eventually tells you about. Um, a young kid has gone missing in the Burkittsville uh, what? Maryland forest? forest, right? Yeah. And you venture into... Black uh, Hills Forest. Black Hills Forest. And you venture in to go save them. This game did such a good job of being fucking disorientating to like 
a fault. Like I was so frustrated at points in playing this game, but I felt like it fit the it fit that world, right? You know, because these characters are often uh, confused. Uh, you eventually learn that there's a serial killer as well uh, in the woods, and that's a really fun like. Uh, rat and mouse yeah. that you play off with his character. Uh, the last cat, cat and mouse. What did I say? You said a rat and mouse. Either works. And uh, uh, not really. I mean, rat, rat and mice rat. probably live together, right? right? Cat and mouse is like they chase each other. You know, maybe one's a- Tom and Jerry. <laughs> I, 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 okay. um, the last hour of this game was fucking terrifying. Nice. I was literally cowering in my couch playing this game. Uh, there's a part where you have to sneak around the witch, and as you know. She's so scary. If you just look at her, you're die from fright. Yes. So you cannot look up while you're doing this segment. Uh, it was fucking, uh, it scared the shit out of me. And what's cool is, um, eventually you find a camcorder and you learn that these tapes can alter, um, reality. Exactly. So like there's a part where you find this tape where it shows a tree falling and there's a part where you come to that tree and you can't pass it. So you have to rewind the tape to where it's standing. Oh, it's like Titanfall 2. Um, so it was just really neat that they incorporated the, the use of a camcorder as a gameplay mechanism since yeah. of course the, the films are found footage. Uh, I really, really liked it, but I'll never play it again. In fact, I would never play a game like that, but since it had the Blair Witch Monitor, IP. Yeah attached to it um the very last thing oh i got two more things mine hunter do you watch mine hunter so i watched like the i've I've seen like eight episodes well, of it what do you think it's fine it, it never really got oh wow into me but it, maybe i think like maybe it gets meaner or something later and there's more violence i don't know um the only thing going for it right now I feel like that's the first season eight episodes right oh, okay i've seen six or whatever i don't know i've seen i've season, seen some season two was eight um, I think the only thing it has going for it is is uh, Anna Torv is in it, and she is the only thing. She the main she's the main character of uh, Fringe, one of my favorite shows of all time. But um, yeah, I thought I, it's it's well made, it's good. Um, I think it's fantastic. My problem is when I start. Okay, here you go. When I start a show, uh, and I don't immediately like can't wait to see the next episode. I've kind of decided like I'm not gonna watch shows that I don't really care about um, that are good, right? So like I started The Boys. On Amazon, you didn't like the boys. I was like, "Oh, that was cool." Holy shit! Nah, I and, love and that first episode boys. is directed. You know, I watched it. It's directed by Dan Trachtenberg. Correct. And as soon as it was over, I thought, "Oh, that's cool. Maybe I'll watch another one sometime." Haven't. Oh, dude, I love the boys. No, it's not. I'm not saying it's bad. Mm. It's just that I don't like watching TV. I don't really care about. Okay, so that's, it's a problem I have. Uh, Most so, people could just watch TV, right? Uh, so far, our listeners, Mindhunter is based on the two men who like created. Uh, how to profile serial killers. serial killers. And the way they did that was they would travel <laughs> to various uh, prisons where real-life serial killers were uh, held, and they would interview them. Um, and in the second season, um, they oh, get... Oh, and I started watching this because of Fincher. That's why I started it. Right. Yeah. He, he directs the first three episodes um, in the second season. And in the second season, they get involved with an investigation known for a killer known as the Atlantic child killer uh-huh and while i was watching it i was like did they make this up just for this season or if this was real so eventually i googled and it's a real fucking case and it's fucked up like what this dude did yeah and so i guess i'm a sucker for like true crime shit because yeah. i ate this shit right up and the last thing i have is also tv i watched the first season of or excuse me the first episode of american horror story 1984 i'm gonna try tomorrow night's episode I didn't give a fuck. 
about this episode, G. It's like somebody played the Friday the 13th video game and they were like, we're going to make a fucking TV show out of it. Yeah, I mean, when the first trailer came out for this and it was it was very simple. It was just a girl running through the woods from a killer and uh, it had an 80s aesthetic. And I said, oh, cool. Like, fuck yeah. And then when the next trailer came out for this season, I was like, nah, this ain't my shit at all. Because it's like basically, like you said, someone like it's like fake 80s. It, I, to me, it looks like, from the trailers, it looks like it's laughing at a lot of these things, like the outfits. Like, sometimes 80s outfits are cool, but they're not, they, like, the point of wearing an 80s outfit in an 80s film isn't to laugh at it. That's it's because they be, rocked. It's to be the aesthetic, right? right. And it, to me, it's like, oh, here's Billy Lord with, like, stupid hair. Like, isn't this, like, exactly. kind of funny to laugh at? And it's like, exactly. no. Like, I don't, that's not why I watch slasher films. Um you know, I by said, the way, haven't seen a minute of it. Just saying from the trailer, I got... By the way, bro, I ain't seen a minute of it. I, I got <laughs> bad vibes from the, that trailer. I go, ooh, so, I don't know about this. I said it's like somebody played the Friday the 13th video game. What I what I mean by that is like somebody... The, they're, they're imitating like... Imitations. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they're that's what imitators. Like yeah. Instead of like trying to imitate like a like the burning or something. Or, no. Or like the final girls. Yeah. The like final that, girls works in my that's, opinion. That's what I'm saying. Like that's a good version of this. Um, not feeling it. Yeah. Only one episode in, but not feeling it. I've only seen the trailer and I'm not feeling it. So that's all you dogs got. That's it. That's all she wrote. I think that's all we've got for this whole fucking episode of this podcast. We done. <laughs> I think so. Uh, I don't think we. I'm have... on drugs. I'm all fucked I'm all up. Fucked up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think that's it. You know, sometimes these are like a little bit of a marathon because Eric. You know, we have to record at Eric's house, and Eric has these incredibly uncomfortable kitchen chairs that we sit at. Yes, but bless his heart for letting us record here. So can we go eat? Yeah, we're gonna go talk about finally. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, we, you might not hear from us for like six months. But uh, I, I hope not. No, we will be back, hopefully in a month. But just, you know, we apologize and we love you out there. Thanks for sticking with us. No shit. Like, like you know, we say this like every week, like we get a little, you know. But thank you so much for like caring and wanting new episodes like that. It means the world to us. I mean, I know we fuck around and joke a lot, but it's just so cool. And uh, we love all of you. And uh, shout out to everybody. You guys know who you are. Hello. And I think. What are we at? We are at three hours and 13 minutes. Now, that's just the recording. And we also played the uh, the audio from Boston, which we hope you guys enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's it from us. So our next episode, I think we're going to still do the Camp Slashers. I hope. But it's not summer anymore. Fuck so, it, duh. Does anything we do make sense? No. So it's perfectly in line with everything we've ever done. And uh, we will see you again soon, hopefully, on the next episode of the Ghoul Spot Podcast starring Mr. Kiki and Mr. Vida. All right, we out. See you guys later. Thanks. Oh, you can't stop! Oh, you can't stop! Oh, you can't stop! Oh, you can't stop!